Let me hear you say, hey, Miss Carter. Say, hey, Miss Carter. Give me some. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Be There in Five podcast. I'm Kate Kennedy, your host. I'm an entrepreneur, an author, freelance writer, pop culture commentator, several different things that somehow led me to talk for roughly two hours a week on this here podcast. And for that, I am so grateful. And as we close out this year, this decade, my God, what an honor it is to be here uh, talking all things pop culture, nostalgia, current and former zeitgeist, celeb gossip. I mean, it's just like, what a job, what a dream, what a life. And uh, I had talked about before how I wanted to recap the decade on this podcast. Now, it's a little bit tricky to put out podcasts following this one because uh, podcasts during the prime holiday arena are not listened to as much. And um, it didn't like make sense for me to do it before the new year. Then an opportunity came up in New York um, the first week in January. And even though I realize I might be shooting myself in the foot doing a live show on a weeknight in the dead of winter in January, I thought, you know what? I really had fun at my first live show. I want to just get out and meet people. I'm not trying to like sell out arenas and like it's I'm not touring and I don't have like a formal manager. This really is like something Courtney and I are just piecing together. And I wasn't sure. I don't know. Anyway, long story short. I decided I'm going to do the Decades podcast live in New York. It's at Caroline's on Broadway on January 8th. It's a Wednesday. Doors, I don't know when doors open, TBH, but I just always hear people be like, doors open. I don't know. But the show starts at 7.35. And um, I had to do a meet and greet package, too, because, like, that's, I don't know, that's the way they keep organized. It's like either meet nobody or charge people to meet you. So, but I did it uh, cheaper than other people do because I don't feel like I'm going to place it where I'm like, pay me 50 bones to uh, take a photo with me. I think it's like 20 extra dollars. Um, anyways, I'm kind of surprised. They're three quarters of the way sold out. It's a pretty big venue. My Chicago one was like 90 people and this one is like 300, which is kind of wild. And I don't know that I fully thought about it, but when the venue was like, I don't know, just get like 50 people or so. I was like, okay, I think I can do that. I was like tallying up my friends that I could force to come with me. Uh, but I'm really excited. And if you want to come, um, I don't know how much longer those tickets will be available. I'm hoping people buy them as holiday gifts and I will feel bad if like the week of you can't get one. So go ahead and grab one. Um, I want to say that last I checked, there was like a dozen or less meet and greet tickets. I restricted them, um, because I want to spend time with people. So if you want one of those, get that like now um, before those run out. I would feel badly because I do want to meet anybody who wants to. And uh, yeah, go to the link in my Instagram bio in the show notes. Google Caroline's on Broadway, January 8th, 735 p.m. I'm going to be talking through all the things this decade that moved me, you know, like chambray tops with fur vests and, you know, big jeweled statement necklaces that I treated with the, the care and precision like I would the Hope Diamond, even though it was $60 and from J. Crew and not even J. Crew, but probably J. Crew Factory, because in early 2010, I didn't have that FU regular flagship money. I want to talk about what Instagram is and Pinterest and all, all of the things have done for our lives. I want to talk about filters like Nashville and and Clarendon and, you know, Hefe. God forbid you you ever fell victim to an X Pro 2. I want to talk about the era where we were strangely enamored with farm culture. Brides were wearing cowboy boots, tables were riddled with burlap mason jars you know really put flower vases out of business entirely and suddenly i was like 
man, and a July wedding, boy, do I miss an air-conditioned building. Barns just don't have the infrastructure that lends itself well to a substantial large catered meal and an extreme temperature. You know what I mean? I want to give credit to the, the things and the people that changed my life, that disrupted popular culture, like Beyonce dropping a self-titled album overnight. And I woke up to like 15 videos of a visual album of what is sheer perfection, one of which is a song you heard earlier, versus the things that actively ruined my life with their poor quality, bad dance moves, woman in a cage mentality, and just general intolerable wolf-like noise-making of songs like Shakira's She-Wolf. I want to diagnose the time when we went for from wearing white camis under any and all v-necks, exposed both at the top and at the bottom, and you pulled it down like a tunic over your semi-low-rise jeans because everybody was victim to a whale tail. There, there were no people that were spared of the perils of low-rise jeans, and I do think we need to band together to make sure that those never come back. When we went from the camis and the tunic and the pull-down to the, to the high-rise and the crop top, but also the deep V that is almost exclusively now sans cami. And even though I support it stylistically, it also isolates the busty women of the world that can't show up to a wedding looking like, you know, they've, they've, they've turned Lily Pulitzer into the red light district. We're, we're really doing deep Vs on everything now. And it's it's been hard for people like me that can't really pull them off. I, I really, this is something that very much bothers me because I love deep Vs and they just like look insane on me. And I wore one to a wedding over Thanksgiving and I got pulled into a dance circle. And by pulled in, I mean, I was like pulled into the outside of the dance circle. I would I would sooner, you know, listen to She-Wolf on repeat for eternity than get myself solo in the middle of a dance circle. But my arm, you know, when like, like there was that kind of when you were a kid or whatever, there was like that joke about like, can you touch your elbows behind your back? And then like you would pop your chest out. It's kind of like, which arm is tan? Or so you'd like bend over and stick your boobs together. Um, I was effectively like putting my elbows behind my back with my arms linked around uh, other people at the outside of this dancer. And because I was wearing a V-neck and I used like all this boob tape because I was like trying to batten down the hatches. And I saw a photo and it's freaking it's pornographic. And I'm just it just it drives me insane. I have a lot of thoughts about fashion over the past decade. Really, what I plan on doing is um, having a pretty under-researched, disorganized stream of consciousness, yet pre-planned kind of stream of consciousness, almost PowerPoint-style overview of all the things I want to discuss of the past decade that might be meaningless to many, but I feel like I know a lot of you guys, and I know it'll mean a lot to you. And um, let's just say I'm having a great time going through the depths of 2010 to 2013 Pinterest with blogger photos. It's a real, uh, it's a real who's who of, of colored jeans. Um pop of color cardigans, matching pop of color purses and like beaded bubble statement necklaces, and a lot of putting your hair behind your ear and looking impossibly cute while you look down and act like you don't know you're being photographed. But I would hope you do know you're being photographed because you are in the middle of a train track. So anyway, guys, I'm excited. So Caroline's January 8th, 2020. I hope you'll come 735 p.m. Go buy tickets online. I probably won't come back to the same cities because I'm not, A, I'm not touring again, and B, I'll probably uh, head, if, if, if and when I plan other shows throughout, like, this spring, it'll probably be, like, my hometown of Richmond, D.C., and Atlanta, Nashville, and other places that submitted that, ooh, isn't it nice to you on? I should cut that out. Um, that submitted uh, their locations on the form. Also, if you want me to come to your city, there's a form on my Instagram bio as well, where you can tell me where you are, and I use that data to... Uh, shop venues and promise that I can at least sell them six tickets. 
Anyway, guys, um, today I'm so excited. We have Ashley Heseltine. She's so freaking funny. She is half of Girls Gotta Eat. I wish we had Randy Greenberg, too, her co-host. She was busy that day. I am going to see them tonight at their live show, sold out at Talia Hall in Chicago and Pilsen. These girls are not messing around. They aren't doing shows at comedy clubs and, you know, small venues. They're, they're, they're selling out theaters. They're selling out, like, venues that major, like... I think the venue there in tonight, I th- feel like I went to go see like a pretty big, like I think I went to see like Marin Morris there or something like, like they're comparable to like major musicians that are playing these venues. They're crushing it with their tour. Ashley's a comedian who does stand up in New York. If you live there, you should go see her. But um, also they started this podcast almost two years ago to talk candidly about sex and dating. And uh, I was on their podcast in May talk. It's since they talk a lot about relationships, I talked about my experience in terms of feeling like uh, there was so much pressure on me to get engaged when I had been with my boyfriend for five years. And we were like younger, though. And I didn't I don't know. Honestly, I was like tortured for years about living with him and not being engaged to him. And I heard every why by the cow nonsense, sexist cliche. I pulled into bathrooms by like drunk acquaintance being like, when is he going to put a ring on it? And like, I just can't like. I just have so many thoughts about the garbage advice people give you and how much they project nonsense onto your relationship. And like, I just could not reinforce enough. Like everybody who gave me terrible advice and made me feel self-conscious about my relationship in my youth is none of them are with the, the significant others they were with at the time. And I'm still with my then boyfriend, now husband and happily so. And you just have to do what's right for you and people get in your head and it just drives me nuts. And Anyway, I talk about this on Girls Gotta Eat in May. I think it's May 8th or something. And have become friends with Ashley. And she is just, she's awesome and so funny and so talented. And has been just like a really, not only just a good friend, but also a helpful resource. Like a lot of people in this biz, trust me, because I try to get people on this podcast all the time. I try to network all the time. People just like ignore you, think you're thirsty for their audience and their information, whatever. And like I said about Grace and Becca too, I'm just so impressed by people that are in this realm that don't hold their cards close to their chest, that see the value of sharing and understanding that like we're all so different and like there's just no reason to not be friends and help each other out and not be competitive. I mean, A, it's impossible to compete with Girls Gotta Eat because they're like above and beyond like any other podcast. But also I just think like, I don't know. I just love women who like aren't, don't think that helping and befriending other women that do the same thing they do in any way compromises what they're doing because it doesn't. And um, I just think there's a lot of people that are uncollaborative in this world and she is not one of them. And I just, I just really appreciate and respect her tremendously. And I think we have a really fun conversation. We kind of go through, um, we start with talking about a little bit of high school and college. Then we go into her comedy career and how she got started in the podcast live shows and then, um, you know, as it always does, I, I have to know every question about, you know, if she cared about being hot in high school and college. Did she go to spring break? Was she into Charlotte Roos clothing? Uh, did, she, did she feel like male attention was as magical as I did through AIM and otherwise? We talk about being like popular versus unpopular. We talk later on. We talk about like, you know, her comfort levels with opening up about her sex life, which, you know, I'm very interested in because of like true love weights. Um, we talk about her going viral with Woody and pretty and bros being basic and how her influencer career started. We talk about her being her, her short stint in a sorority, which is a pretty funny story. Um, what I, what I most love about this conversation is like, it's us channeling our high school and college selves that were super shallow, obsessed with being hot, 
were solely fueled off of male attention. Like I said, when somebody would compliment me, it was like I stepped on one of those Mario Kart stars and I like soar for two weeks off of a single compliment. And um, I hope you don't think we're like shallow monsters, but in channeling the type of person you were before you had death, it's pretty funny to think about how all you cared about was like being popular and being like a homecoming princess and all this BS. And we both had pretty similar suburban upbringing. So we just like go for it. And I think it's um, fun and it's a different type of conversation than I've had with anybody. And I don't know. I loved it. And I hope you will, too. So first, a quick note from our sponsor this week, because I still think it's a great Christmas present idea for all the people in my life who I have absolutely no idea what to get for them, but want them to be healthy. And then we will get to the interview. All right, guys. Love ya. As you guys may know, Greg and Tugboat and I have steak Sunday every week. He's mastered the uh, cast iron skillet and oven steak. We're in the city. We don't have a grill. It's become a tradition. We watch 90 Day Fiance. It's an absolute delight. But it always is like a kind of a battle because we forget to get the steak. We go and then we're like comparing prices and nominal amounts and foregoing the healthier option in favor of the sale one. And it, it is just a whole thing. So when I learned about this company, Butcher Box, I was it really fulfilled the part of me that has watched one too many food documentaries and like wants to be a crusader for ethical conditions of animals and the environment and the things we consume, but doesn't always know how. And I'm obsessed with this company because they kind of make these decisions for you and allow you to have healthy, consistent options like at your door at all times. So ButcherBox is a subscription service that sends nine to 11 pounds of meat a month. And that's like 20, around 24 individual meals at less than $6 a piece. They're a meat distributed in the form of a subscription box that basically connects with local farms and co-ops and distributes um, high quality grass-fed, 100% grass-fed beef, heritage pork, organic free-range chicken, wild Alaskan salmon, nitrate, sugar-free bacon, all of their animals are humanely raised and free of antibiotics and hormones and are basically doing all of the things that I want to be doing to be more active for my health and be more of an advocate for what is more environmentally friendly and what is a more ethical living conditions for the animal just is kind of like a no brainer to me to start doing this. And I've been meaning to and I just kind of love in this format it's done for me. There's kind of a lot of smoke and mirrors, too, with like the labeling and classification of meats. For example, grass fed can mean that uh, the cow is started on grass because all cows are started on grass fed, but many go into a feedlot at six months and are switched over to corn and soy to fatten them up. But they can still say grass fed on the label, which enrages me. So what you need to look for is grass finished or 100% grass fed in order you know, for, for it to mean that they will always have only ever eaten grass. And like, these are the interesting things I'm learning from them or like it's important to see pasture raised because otherwise they're put into a lot and fed grass, which is also not great. Like to, to you know, their living conditions and environment and the crowding is a piece too. And I'm just learning a lot and I feel like this is like the smallest thing I could ever be doing, but also it's like so it's convenient and affordable. So like, why not? But, you know, try it for yourself, which uh, this is actually one of the best deals I've ever had. Um, you can get two pounds of ground beef and two packs of bacon absolutely free, plus $20 off your first box. If you go to butcherbox.com slash be there in five or use promo code be there in five at checkout. That's butcherbox.com slash be there in five or use promo code be there in five at checkout. It's also like try it for yourself and then you can gift it to somebody. I never know what to get like my dad, my brother, Greg, like, and I don't want to be like, oh, men like meat, but I, it's more like the, the, I want the men I love to be healthy. So give them meat that they'll eat anyway. You know what I mean? Because uh, it's, it's not like a thing for frills or to be like gifty or cheesy. It's honestly just people that want uh, everybody to have equal access to high quality because if you you know work with local farms and co-ops, you're able to get have access to a network of the right places, and it's just not always available to everybody at every you know type of grocery store and place they live. And I'm a big fan. So, anyways, butcherbox.com/slash/be there in five. Try for free. Let me know what you think. And thanks for listening. All right, guys, I want to welcome to the podcast Ashley Hesseltine, comedian, you. podcaster. 
stupid live show mega host, <laughs> mega host, <laughs> extra large. Well, I feel like the, uh, your y'all's live shows are like insane and huge and like almost unprecedented. You're a podcaster. Yes. But the live shows are kind of like deserve a separate vocational, right? They're just like a circus. Yeah. Like they're not, and they've evolved. Like I think back to when we thought we had our first show, we had a date, you know, it was going to be at Caroline, but we thought we were going to do a live podcast. We were like, let's pick a topic. And like the thought of it makes me want to cry that we were almost going to do like just a sit down, let's have guests, let's sit at a long table, which is nothing wrong with that. Yeah. It's great. People do that and then they release them and it's right. an episode and right. it's live and it's fun. And you get to see kind of a peek behind the curtain of how this podcast gets made. But we were like, you know what, let's just not do that. Let's do a bunch of random topics and yeah. we'll have, now we don't have guests anymore, but in the beginning we had guests and it'll just be like this more fun thing. We open with the stand up, and we don't do that anymore either, but it's evolved into like, we just want people to laugh the whole time. We don't want it to ever get serious. Yeah. We want you to walk away and be like, that was such a fun girl's night. Not like that was life changing advice. Like these girls are <laughs> wasted. Like they're throwing up on themselves. Right. They don't want to hear advice. They, that's what the podcast is for. <laughs> right. So and then we just did, um, we still do comedy clubs here and there, but we more so do theaters and probably more theaters in 2022. But, um, last year at the holiday show, we did a holiday spectacular in New York. And I had this vision of like, let's get guys to do the mean girls dance. Oh, um, yeah. and like I found like four, hot gays to do like shirtless mean girls whole jingle bell rock. And uh, then we were going to enter from the back when Lindsay Lohan started singing, it was this whole thing. And then I also found this drag queen. I was like, let's just close the show with a drag queen. So it's turned into this like really like wild entertainment experience. And then yeah. that just set the bar for all future theater shows. Cause then I just got really interested in like, okay, well let's find dancers in this city and let's do this. So now when we have, for the most part, it's like we open with a dance act and just set the tone and there's like a hype playlist before the show and yeah. it's just like a fun girl's night out. It is. And like ours was um, like a bunch of dudes d dancing to single to ladies. Single ladies. They yeah. Really good. And they, like, thank God, thank God it worked out. Those were like randos. Oh, actually. Okay. I found some randoms on Instagram and yeah. they had to like learn the choreography. I still am like, you were underpaid. <laughs> you look up like dudes dancing. Yeah. Cause the, the jingle bell rock <laughs> is really easy. Yeah, it's yeah. really easy. Right. They all learned it on their own and then came together. These single ladies guys had to have rehearsals, but I, I rehired one of them, the main one, the Beyonce. Yeah, like absolutely. there was three guys that did it and he was like the one in the front. He was like a little dad bod Beyonce. Yeah, he was and good. He is going to he's heading up our entertainment for Chicago round two. Oh, that's this amazing. holiday season. So did I'm not gonna give it away. But pole dancer, like we had pole dancers in Atlanta, like Ludacris is like he's Ludacris's preferred pole dancers when he like comes to Atlanta for the Super Bowl. Like it, they were incredible. Oh my god. Like they're people always think they're like magic city strippers, but they're like professional pole performers. Right. Takes a shit ton of upper body strength. I don't, couldn't even climb a rope in gym class. Like I can't even wrap my head around it. How oh, they I get up the there. Storm hang. Do you remember that? <laughs> Wait, you, in the presidential fitness. Did we talked about this. I, did we talk about this? No. Maybe I heard it on your podcast. I've talked about the president. Okay. Fitness yes. Again. I heard it on your podcast. I think it's like a funny thing that matters. Not like does not matter in life, but they make you feel so small if you can't like right. do the shuttlecock run. I, did you have anxiety about stuff like that in growing up? Yes. Like I was like, I wasn't like last one picked in gym every time, right. but like pretty low. I yeah. was not, wasn't first. Yeah. And stuff like that where they were like, 
you have to like do a pull up. I was like, what? I, I've never in my entire I've life never done one. <laughs> and then when we when I played basketball, I was so bad. But like they were like, you everybody's gonna have to run an eight minute mile, and I'm like, I can't. So what are you yeah. gonna do about it? Yeah. Oh, I used to like um, make myself trip and fall. <laughs> like I get a small laceration on my knees to get out of it. Like I hate that shit. And when you're young and it's like um, embarrassing for everyone's like looking at you. And when you're tall, they're like, you should Even, play basketball. Yeah. And I'm like, no. They forced me into it. Yeah. I was like, I'm a cheerleader. And they were like, not anymore. And then I hated it. I was a JV junior. Were you a cheerleader? I was a cheerleader in middle school. And then th- like all the coaches just like came for me in high school. And they were like, you have to play basketball. And my parents were like, you do have to play basketball. My parents aren't even <laughs> like that. But they were just like, you, ha- you have to. And I hated it. I was so bad. Like really bad. Oh, same. Yeah. A JV junior. That's so embarrassing. Oh, when you said that earlier, it didn't register. That is so embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you couldn't be JV unless it, you were a sophomore below. Everyone's like, I made varsity. That's what I'm saying. There's freshman on varsity. I'm a junior on JV. That is mortifying. You got held back in sports. And then, and then <laughs> like fr- senior year, I was like, I'm cheering again. And like, I, this is so dorky, but I was the editor of the school newspaper. Yeah. Not dorky, but I was a yearbook editor. Yes. And I'm a right. I was a writer. I am still, I guess technically. Um, but that was my whole career. And so I, yeah, it was appropriate that I was the editor, but the editor or the teacher advisor for newspaper was also the cheerleading coach. And I was like, She'll let me make it. What's she going to do? Not let me make it. Right. I yeah. couldn't even do any of the stuff, but I was like, I can do the chairs and I can dance and like, you know, sort of do a jump here and there. Did you guys do like, um, what's it called? Like stunts? Yeah. And also I was great at that for like a back spotter. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, you know, you want that back person to be like the tallest, biggest person. Right. right. They weren't throwing me into the air in a basket toss, Ugh, but what a dream. I could like dance, girl, yeah. <laughs> but I couldn't do anything else. And we also cheered for wrestling. Oh my God, wrestle, wrestle, and twist we, him like a pretzel. And we would sit. We got yeah. to sit. People would, don't know yeah. about wrestling. Did your school have wrestling? High school? Yeah, I was a middle school cheerleader and I was on like the B squad who only who only did the lame sports. Yeah. So I like would actually fancy myself a wrestling cheerleader to be like, those are the <laughs> only ones I ever went to. Yeah, you sit cross-legged. Yes, it's amazing. Like, you get to sit. And it's just like, but all I remember is wrestle, wrestle, twist him like a pretzel. The other ones are pretty sports agnostic. Yeah. Like PIN pin probably, <laughs> but we would have to so like hit the mats. But in our school, like the hierarchy was like the football cheerleaders were the best and the hottest. And then wrestling were actually like second because mm-hmm. we were a big wrestling school when I was there. Then, but like you, I like that's a, what a dream. You sit cross-legged. Did you consider <laughs> cheering in college? No. <laughs> Like Clemson, just a small, small school. <laughs> so my two girls on my hall tried out and like didn't even make it. And they yeah. were like amazing. Yeah. Like fl- they could flip, do flips and stuff. Right. Cause I never could do any like gymnastics. Yeah. I could do like no. a sort of car wheel. Yeah. The, uh, well, and like co- my best friend was a college cheerleader. They had to uh, weigh in weekly uh, <laughs> at under a hundred pounds. That is wild. I haven't been a hundred pounds since I was probably eight, maybe younger. Yeah. I couldn't, you, we couldn't be, we'd no, be no, no. dead. When I was started high school, I was like 115 pounds, which actually is for five, nine is like pretty it's, underweight. It's emaciated. Yeah. Right. Yeah. People don't get height really matters for weight. Yeah. But then every year I gained 10 pounds. And so by senior year, they, when I got my physical, they were like, 
you know, you gain 10 pounds every year. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I still thought I was skinny in my head. And they're like, you weigh 150 pounds. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Which is not big, but like. No, that happened to me. I had a lot of weight to gain. I was like, you're still wearing low rise jeans. We had to. Oh yeah. And like woven metallic belts. But then I think it hit me. Like I went in second semester freshman year, like, oh, I should probably like look good. And I got really thin. I just went, I was on the elliptical every day. Not scary, not like unhealthy, but I just was like, oh, I should maybe watch what I eat. I can't eat like I'm a kid anymore. Yes. And I got really thin and like hot and start and like start dating a football player. But I, I went from probably, I probably maxed it. Like again, no judgment. Like this is just a number. But for me, it was a lot at the time. It was yeah. probably like 165. Yeah. Like max. And then I lost 20 pounds. Well, I think that's the funny thing about weight numbers wise. It's like, it's, it's not about like a number being a lot or a little, it's like for you, like how fast did you gain? Is that normal for you? Do you feel good about yourself? Right. Can you like wear your own closet of clothes? Right. There's yeah. It's a funny conversation with weight anymore because obviously all women are beautiful, but also we all know like what makes us feel good or not. Yeah. And it's weird to me at the time that I was so not, I like was eating Chick-fil-A and like Pizza Hut personal pan pizzas. Every, they were on campus, like dining hall. Right. Oh, right. As like an appetizer. Yeah. And I was just like, uh, yeah, I thought I was a kid and I thought I played sports every day. But that's the other thing is when you don't play sports anymore. A hundred percent. Yeah. So when you were a kid, could you just eat whatever? Yeah. That was me. And like, yeah. it, then I hit puberty and like, whatever, but probably like junior year, I was like, oh, I don't think I can eat whatever I want. I used to eat whatever, like a multiple desserts. I was like a loved sweets, like just so many carbs. We didn't also understand as much about food as we do now. Right, like right. I would like, you'd eat like pasta, but like your side was bread. Like you just didn't know. And then <laughs> the bottom of the food period was like cereal. And I'm like, okay, so I'll have lucky charms. <laughs> right. Like we, had, we didn't know you guys, we didn't know back then, but I, yeah, it's, it's a weird thing to, to go, to grow up your whole life. Like I'm the skinny kid yeah. and I can eat. Oh, it's impressive how much I can eat. And then you have to be like, oh, I can't li- I actually can't sustain this. Yeah. And yeah, you then, I mean, even though I was bad at sports and I was a JV junior, I was still like running and like playing soccer. We ran a few miles every day. It's funny. I haven't really thought about that in a long time, but like, yeah, that was a weird time in life. And it's like, nobody feels bad for you if you're a lifelong skinny person. But I do think it's like, uh, the extremity of adjustment when it happens quick. And then you've, you have a lifetime of no habits, no good <laughs> habits. Right. In doing them in college when it's already kind of a weird volatile time was like impossible. And that was, I was super depressed in college. So it sounds like you got hot and had fun. Well, I, I got hot second semester freshman year. And then I, I fluctuated like a crazy look, like I looked crazy every football season. I would like pack it on and then I say crash diet loosely because I've never had any eating disorder or been really unhealthy, but like we would go on some sort of diet. So it was like South Beach diet right, right. and we would take it seriously. We would cook and do this stuff like as, as my roommates, and my best friends, but I would have to get, pull it together for spring break. So like I'd go home for the holidays and like I'd blown up from the fall and then I would go back and be like, we got to hit it hard for March. And yeah, we would, cause yeah, you yeah. were 19 and 20, your body just like would do it. Aruba's waiting. Like I would just weigh in every day. I lost a pound a day. Like we were not eating carbs. Carbs. Yeah. Well, that's funny too to have but I like yo-yo those, big time. It's funny to have those types of like benchmarks that are so college. <laughs> like, yeah, you go on vacation now and again, but it's like, yeah, spring break. Spring I mean, break. What are you gonna do? Yeah. Did you ever where did you go for spring break? Wait, South freshman South, right? year, Panama City, sophomore year, Key West, which was still the best week of my life, and then Bahamas the next two years. But like the shitty Bahamas junior year 
free free port like some oh, all-inclusive yeah. yeah that got like everybody from our school like found out about it it was like a thing where people just talk and like it was the t- freeport's pretty shitty but yeah. there was some resort and then nassau like senior year those are like nice spring breaks yeah they, we like did i guess we did it pretty nice i mean we we would never we would always like drive to florida yeah like right. we were in the car a lot yeah and then uh, what do you do? If you, you kind of progress. It was like, all right, first we're going to go to the panhandle. Like, yeah. what we do. Then yeah. you like slowly Key West, then you leave America. Yeah. It gets cool and cool. And I also want to just like be clear, like we had six girls in a hotel room in Key West, <laughs> right, you know, and then we had some guy friends come and yeah. stay and then we had 12, you know, like it was like in a room at the Hampton. Like we weren't ever staying, you know. Oh yeah. In my head, you were like on an ice cruise. No, oh, we shit. were like at the Hampton Inn. <laughs> I, I never went on a spring break. I was too nervous. But really? also Why, I for was what? 21 until I was a senior. So my entire oh, life yeah. was so touch and go with fake IDs. Yeah. And we all had fakes and like, uh, Key West was an odd choice for when we were 19, like yeah. the sophomore year, but one, only one girl got hers taken. Like it worked out pretty well. We knew like to not go to Irish Kevin's or whatever, you know, like we knew yeah. the bars that we knew, like we could go to the like fat Tuesdays or whatever right. the bar. Like, so, uh, but yeah, so you were like younger. Yeah. I was just younger and I couldn't, it was like, I was the person like bringing people down. Cause I it was like, I would or wouldn't get into things. Eventually what I did was write myself a check from another person. That was a fake check to be like, shit, I can't find a credit card or anything, but like, what, like, why would I have this check if this wasn't my name? Okay. Like, perfect. I kind of, you had like figured out all your lives in order. Um, but the, why was QS like the best week of your life? Oh my God. I had this, I met this guy. I was so in love. I, well, I talked about him on our podcast and I called him the one that got away Yeah, jokingly and someone like found him and he's like still there and he looks terrible. And it's like, you know, <laughs> like he's like a townie. Um, That's which kind of annoying. Cause I'd rather be preserved in your memory. I know. I wish they wouldn't have seen, I wish I like looked away. Um, we just had like a great group. Um, and I love QS also. Yeah. I think it's like a really special place. Yeah. I still have gone there a few times since. I loved it so much. But anyway, so night one, we stayed there. Also like that, we always joke, like we just stayed there for eight days. Like we just went, like <laughs> we, <laughs> we were there for seven <laughs> nights. Like it's a really long time. So I um, got there and night one, we're out and I had so many new good outfits. I had so much BB, you know, like yeah, so many BB course. tube tops and yeah. like low rise jeans and, um, like so much like good Charlotte Russe. And so I just felt hot and yeah. like sexy. And so night one, we were on the street cause you can drink in the street. It's a beautiful right. thing. It's like New Orleans. And, uh, so even it's cool for spring breakers. So even if you're don't get in, you can party in the street, but you can, everybody can get into like Rick's and like right. dance and stuff. So we're on the street. This guy just walks up to me and just says, Hey, and I like, just fell for him immediately. Like I liked him so much. He had this wild, crazy hair. He was 25, which is really old for 19. Yeah. And I lied and like, said I was why 20. Are you married? Yeah. Like you're so old. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, oh, an older man. Yeah. But he was like looked young. He was like a surfer vibe. He worked on like a catamaran. Uh, um, his name was Jay. And I went home with him that night. My friend Bridget was like, I need your like name and address. But she took, she went to my ha- his house with me. We had like a few drinks there. He lived right downtown. And then I just hung out with him the whole week. Like we had all these people in our hotel room. So I stayed at his place. He brought us out on the catamaran. He worked on like, wow. we went, we I met him out most nights. And I just had this like spring break boyfriend. Magical. It was magical. And everybody was like, he's so cute and funny. And, um, fun fact about him. He won Nickelodeon guts. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. 
Like he has a piece of the aggro crag. Global guts? Or not global. I think he was just domestic. Wait, is the aggro crag Legends of the Hidden Temple? No, the aggro crag is like no, I mean it's when you climb to the top and you win, you hit buzzers along the way, you get a piece of the aggro crag if you win guts. Oh. Yeah, Guts and Hidden Temple are two different shows. Both amazing. Yeah, yeah. I haven't thought through the logistics of both in a while. Guts was like Kid Gladiators. Yes, okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. There so, was a lot of those shows back then. Um, but he, and then we said goodbye or whatever. And then my friend Bridget and I, after exams, so March, so like two months later, May, we like drove back down and like I wow. stayed with him and... And then it just kind of fell apart, whatever. Cause did it was you like a lot of dashboard, like thanks for that summer. <laughs> How we did. Yeah. Kali, Kali. <laughs> no, that was, I'm not, I'm not, don't want to age myself. Collide was two summers later, I think. Cause I thought about it with my like boyfriend then. Collide was when, yeah. Collide was when I was in college. I feel like. Yeah. Um, How we did. He's a predator now. So oh my God. Yeah, RIP. Yeah. I know. Whoa. I saw that recently. I was like, that's a bummer, but I don't think he had any other songs. Yeah. Gavin DeGraw was sister. I saw them together, concert together. <laughs> <laughs> what a who's who of like mediocre, mediocre white men. Yeah. <laughs> I saw I, We went when we were like, my friends brought me to Philly. I had graduated. I was like 23 and we were the oldest people there. There was like 16 year olds asking us to buy them drinks. Like we were their moms. Like we were 23 at Gavin DeGraw and Howie Day and we were like the old ladies. I like the... Energy level at that concert. <laughs> I just don't even like. It's kind of like um like that freaking Daniel Powder guy. Like how to bad day? Oh Do you my god! Yeah, I, I group them all together. All the same. But I guess Gavin's been successful since. But that's hilarious. I like. I think song ties with those types of relationships are so sensory that like I am triggered by music from when I was like going through a breakup or whatever. Yeah. But like I listened to a lot of Dashboard back then. Well, you also like have a deep love for like 90s hip hop and R&B. I do. Like, do you want to know my song with my boyfriend in high school was um, (laughs) Differences by Genuine. I don't even know differences. My whole life has changed. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's like about this player. And I'm like, my boyfriend's 18. Like, how many girls has he, like, been with that he's, like, changed? I've, like, changed. A guy who settled down because you're the one. Yeah. (laughs) No, I mean, that, at the time, though, it's the only context you have. And if he, like, dated two girls in high school, he's effectively, like, a player. He's such a player. I was going to ask if, like, in high school, did you get a lot of, like, attention from boys or? No. Yeah, because in college, I feel like I would if if I ever had a magical spring break buddy, I would think we were getting married. Like I would have been so excited because I didn't get that much attention from guys. Yeah. When I was younger. Same. Yeah, I didn't. um, Like, I also think people I think I was like cute enough and I was like I was popular. My friends were always like the homecoming queens and everything like that. Like I wasn't, but they were I was like in the popular group. Yeah. Um, But. I don't know. Like I would even date guys from other schools. I think I, people thought I was a snob. I know people thought I was a snob. So people, I was really? a snob. Yeah. Why? Just cause I was a snob, I guess. Like, are you? <laughs> no, like I just, I come from like a small town. Like my parents are like a middle upper class. We were not, yeah. I, we're not rich. We just had like enough money. I mean, my dad owned a business. My mom's a teacher. And like, I had a car when I was 16. It wasn't a nice car, but it was like a decent car. Oh, the Xterra. The I had Ultima first. Oh, okay. And like I wore a dress, I shopped at like BB and R&B, which was like pretty nice. Oh, I mean, yeah. For high school. R&B is like kind of expensive. Yeah. But even like I would still wear everything from Express and like whatever, but American Eagle, but I had like some nice things. I just 
was a little snobby. And I think people thought that I thought I was better than people because I was like in the honors too. Yeah. And I think I just got, I actually don't think I was like a bad person. I was like kind of a brat, but I think people just thought I was a snob and thought I was like better. So I just never really like had much luck with guys at my, all my guy friends were like the hottest, most popular guys in school, but like I wasn't dating them. I would date guys from like other schools. Yeah. And I just never, like I missed a few dances cause I didn't have a date. Yeah. Like I wasn't like a girl that always was like had a boyfriend. And so my, I dated like a, when I was a sophomore, somehow people just thought I was hot. Like I, I was getting attention from older guys. I went to senior prom with a senior and I was like kind of hanging with like the older popular crowd and then, um, didn't really date. I dated like a guy from another school, like I said, and then senior year, I like didn't even have a prom date. And I was like really upset. Yeah, I was like, yeah. I, what am I, I can't, I can't believe this. I don't have a senior prom date. Like I'm like a popular senior. I'm like right. going to Clemson. I like all my friends are like going to be on prom court and win prom king and queen. I can't even believe I don't have a date. And this girl, like in one of my classes, she set me up with a guy that had graduated the year before. Like this was just, it was so weird back then. Yeah. Like they, she was just like, Hey, what about Alex? And I knew him. I didn't really know much about him. I knew he was like a cool, popular, good looking guy. And I hate to keep saying popular, but this is high school. This is all you cared about. And so she like asked him, she was like, I just feel like I could see you guys together. And she like asked him like, would you want to go to prom with Ashley? And he was like, okay. He was like, we needed a body. He was older. I mean, he wasn't doing anything cool with his life. He was like working at a restaurant. He had graduated high school. (laughs) but he was still cool in my eyes. Yeah, of course. And he was like, yeah. And so we just like started talking on the phone and then we like dated all summer. That was why I lost my virginity too. We were like in love. Oh, that's cute though. But we like work not blind dates. Like we'd hung out a couple times before prom, Yeah, but really we're like a setup for prom. Yeah. Like, thank God I didn't have a prom date. No, I mean like, it, did you have similar experiences? Yeah. I mean like, I always being uh, adjacent to the cool kids and was like kind of one of them, but was never, was like friend zoned. Yeah. Kind of everybody's buddy, like, like funny sidekick. Mm -hmm. And I never, like, I always felt really great about my personality and like being smart, but I was like, never, like, I feel like everybody went after my hot friends. Always. So in that kind of, I think it it wasn't hard to be, it wasn't hot to be smart. (laughs) No, I like think about this all the time. It is now, I think. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Now. I feel like it's my personality is like all I have. Like your looks like go away. Like, it's fine. Like, I don't care about that, but I laugh a lot at how, um, all that mattered at a certain age was being hot. Like that's all I wanted. It's all I thought about. Like it's where my confidence came from. If I looked hot, like you said, like I felt great on that spring break. I crushed it with like the baby dresses and halter tops. I just think, yeah, it's kind of funny when you're a little bit on the periphery and can't you get good feedback, but you're like, then why aren't you dating me? Why aren't you asking me to prom? Like, why am I still a virgin? Right. And then I still think it affects me now a little bit in terms of like, I don't know. I I feel way more comfortable, like in my thirties and like love doing this and things that really highlight that all the things that didn't matter when I was younger. Yeah. Like I get a lot of pride out yeah. of having my entire career surround like the thing that I was like, oh, thanks. I have a great personality. Right. <laughs> well, right. I mean, I I feel like everything you're saying and also every single thing we dealt with as kids affects us today. It's just, it is what it, it is. is. Like yeah. we are who we are. But I mean, yeah, I, I say this, that I like realized my value was not in my looks early on in like grade school. Like right. I remember 
always been obsessed with popularity. Like mm-hmm. I, that sounds a little weird, weird and kind of like sick to say, but I just like wanted to be the popular kid. I wanted yeah. to be a leader. I wanted to be like on top and like, I was like, it's not going to be because of my looks. I think, you know, I think you're like, I'm not as pretty as her. Like, I I don't look like her. Like my hair is awful. Like I don't have the same cool clothes. Like I just never got a handle on where the cool kids were shopping. And I would, my mom would take me shopping and then I would go to school and be like, I don't look like them until I discovered like BB and R&B. But I like realized early on, like, I just have to be funny. All I started to realize how like no guys liked me. I wasn't cute. I had like braces and like weird highlights and I was so tall and skinny and my nose, I mean, it's big now, but it's bigger than I hadn't grown into my features. I was like not an attractive kid. And I'm like, I was friends with all the popular girls cause I was fun and funny. Right. And so like the guys let me hang around and like sometimes they would say mean stuff to me when they're all, they all became my friends later. But like in middle school, like I felt a little bullied sometimes by yeah. like the popular guys. Cause I was hanging out with them cause I was friends with all the girls. Right. But it always comes into play. I mean, I see you, you are a product of like if you were bullied in school and stuff. I mean, hundred percent. I just like, I but now feel- I just get to own it. Like I would yeah. never in my back in those days, like ever admit, like say out loud that like, yeah, I have a big nose. I'm kind of insecure about right. it, but like I, I would have never dreamed. That's only been in the last couple of years that I even, I'm like, yeah, I have to own it. I do comedy. Right. You have to own your flaws before other people can say it. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, what I think is interesting, like hearing you talk throughout your podcast and stuff is like, I, and I wonder this about myself too. It's like a lot of comedians, uh, a lot of uh, becoming a comedian is in response to a lot of like hard stuff, a lot of trauma, a lot of family issues, a lot of daddy issues, like whatever, all these things. And you always talk about how great your family is. Yeah. Like I have a great family too. Like I don't have serious like family trauma that like I channel for like whatever, or that I develop my personality in response to, but in the same vein, like all of the small little interior things that happen, even at an upper middle class suburban middle school, like any, it's like, you only know your own experience. Yeah. So you can still develop things in response to, even though they're not mag, like big in the grand scale of the world. But like, I just feel like, I don't know. I like hearing you talk about your like past because sometimes I'm like, I don't know if I'm not interesting enough or like I haven't gone through enough shit you or something. Enough you know trauma. what I mean? But <laughs> the like nobody, there's just not a lot of comedians out there that were like hot, popular kids. No, you're right. I don't think I would be in comedy if I was. Right. What if I was just like such a cute little girl and then I was like so pretty and all the guys were falling all over themselves for me. I would have been like, my value is in my looks. So I'm just gonna, why would I've ever needed to be funny? Yeah. I go- think some people are born funny. I mean, my brother also was like, grew up really like popular, always played sports, full ride to college, good looking guy, always yeah. had, could get girls, went to every dance. He went to, I think he went to fucking high school prom as eighth grader. You know, like he like, was just- Rub it in your face. But, right. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. Matt's like, he went to like double the dance of that. But he is funny, but he's not like, and he, I think he's the funniest person I know, but he did, wouldn't, didn't, didn't ever realize his value was in comedy to pursue something like comedy. Like right. also his value was in athletics, but- I don't think there's just not a lot of like, I was hot and popular my whole life and now I do comedy. It's just not a thing that exists. Yeah. (laughs) Nobody wants to hear that either. I don't even know if it exists. (laughs) Well, so what, what made you like actually get into comedy? I don't think I know this. Um, I just started to like think about what I wanted to do in life and I was writing and I was like, I just like being, I like doing more in the spotlight stuff. I mean, I've always been like loved attention my whole life. And I was, uh, 
I mean, I wasn't like in drama or anything, but I, I did like attention and like the spotlight and making people laugh. And I started to realize maybe when I was like mid, late twenties, um, and I was writing and doing that, like doing stuff like that. I was like, the people that I want to be like are like Chelsea Handler mm-hmm. and all these people I admire, like you can't get around doing stand up. Like if you think you're going to work in comedy, you have to, everybody does stand up. You just have to do like, yeah. it's part of the, what you do. So I just kept trying to find like, is there anybody I think I want to be like that hasn't done comedy? No, it's not a thing. Like if you mm-hmm. want to work in comedic, like you want to be on TV or you want to be a host or basically Chelsea Handler was my like that's the dream is yeah. like when she was hosting Chelsea lately and she had all these comedians at the round table. And I was like at this like nagging feeling of like, I have to do it. Like I can't, oh, yeah. I can't get around it uh-huh. if I'm going to pursue something in the comedic realm. And then I had it in my head. And then I saw a girlfriend do a open mic night at and open mic nights in Atlanta are like way easier and better than they are in New York. It's like a nice comedy club and you get to go right. up. Like it's not everybody gets to do it, but if they know you're going to bring people, they just want you know, it was like a nice experience. Like I wouldn't get that in New York or probably even in Chicago, but Atlanta was an easy point of entry. I saw a girlfriend do comedy and, you know, she did a five minute set. It was okay. It was her first time. And she, (laughs) we were like, that was great. I went, I wasn't that close with her. I heard she was doing it. And I had this feeling of like, I want to go see what's, what this is like as the person that's doing comedy for the first time. Um, I thought her jokes were funny. I, but I was like, I can do better. Say that not to even shit on her, but you know, no, I she doesn't do comedy anymore. And I yeah, do. And right. I she was great for her first time, but I was like, if she can do it, I can do it exactly. more so is how I felt. Yeah. And I had, I was blogging at that time. I was like sort of a micro influencer in Atlanta. And I was like, I know I can bring people. With bros being basic. I hadn't started bros being basic yet, but I worked for this company called a social mess. We threw parties. People knew who I was. I had a blog. Like okay. I was on, I just was the daily candy editor. I was like doing all these things. Oh, okay. um, I was like, I think at that point I was doing some TV segments on like the local channel, like local morning show. I was like in the scene, like okay. uh, for we didn't use the word influencer, but I would have been, I guess. Yeah. And so I had all these friends and I was like, I can pack the house, which isn't really what I'd recommend to have all your friends come. But I was like, I'm going to like write a set. I'm going to go over it. I'm really going to take it seriously and like do write this, these jokes and go perform them. And I did it. I did it laughing skull in Atlanta. And people were like, even like critical, like guy friends that didn't need to say anything to me, not critical, but like guys that guys are different. Like yeah. I had so many guy friends that were like, that was great. I hate yeah. to admit it. You're really funny. That was your <laughs> first time doing it. You're, you should need to continue this. The owner of the club was like, you should continue this. Like people That's weren't awesome. like, people weren't like, that was good. Like people were like, that was your first time doing comedy. You crushed it. You have delivery, you have jokes, you're not great, yeah. whatever, but like you have a future in this. Right. And I, then I just started doing it from there. And like long winded, sorry, but that was the story. uh, No, I honestly had never heard that because I knew you were in Atlanta for a decade and you dabbled in like radio, TV, blogging, influencer, but I wasn't sure what the through line with comedy was and how long you've been doing it. Yeah. And then, so that was, um, like towards the end of, I stayed in Atlanta for a few more years doing comedy. I started bros being basic maybe a year later. Okay. Um, and so I, yeah, it was also a way easier entry into comedy. I think like New York, LA and New York and LA and then Chicago right under are way more difficult and more competitive. And it was like, I think the Atlanta comedy scene is amazing, but it was, I was just started to get booked on stuff. Cause I was like a girl, people want a balanced show. Yeah, yeah. Like I got asked to do my second show ever was like a pretty legit show. That's that, awesome. Like it, I, it was just easy to yeah. get in, not easy to be good, not, you know, whatever. I still had to work at it, but it was a way easier entry point into comedy than any other city I can imagine. Like it's still a good big city. It wasn't like it was Cleveland, you know? Yeah. 
So well, it were like Chicago's an improv town. Right. I feel like that's the other avenue people get into. For sure. Like a comedy acting. Yeah. I can't watch an improv show because I can't handle the cringe. I, They're yeah. so hit or miss. It's hard. A bad improv show. There's nothing worse. It, nothing worse. My husband is just straight up said, I can't go to these anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so many of my friends would do classes and do like the showcase. Yeah. And I'm rooting for them, but like you don't have control. No. And that is something that can be beautiful or terrible. And I like going to stand up way better because, yeah, I think it's like even if people's jokes don't kill with the main crowd, you can tell who's got it. Yeah. And there's just. I crowd matter so much like the crowd feeds off each other. You know, I can only do so much. I'm not crazy high energy. I, there's a comedian that I know, one that we had on our podcast, Marie Faustin, who like brings her own energy. The, they, everybody could be sitting there stone cold, not laughing. And she would just be up there still like crushing. And I don't, I'll, I mean, I just am not as much as higher energy yeah. as her. It's really impressive to see. Like yeah. she'll turn them around. I can turn her crowd around a little bit, not as much as other comedians. I, this is funny you said like bad improv. I, I had the show recently and I'm not going to, give details, but they basically in the middle of the stand-up show, they had these like other guys come up and do this like slight improv situation. One of them's like kind of a famous guy. Mm-hmm. So I think people were there to see him, but they did this like pretty shitty improv thing. Mm-hmm. Again, I just don't want to give details. And I thought we all thought it was bad. Like I thought that was terrible. Yeah. So when I went up next, I like was like, yikes, how terrible was that? <laughs> right. Like I, which I would never do that to a standup. I would right. never go up and shit on somebody, but I thought that we were all in this together. That, that was awkward and bad. You and actually said that? Like, I just was like, oh man, that's I bet, an easy you, I bet you guys are all going to, yeah, it's like basically <laughs> like that. Like that's easy to follow. I bet you guys are all going to leave now. You came for that. Ha ha ha. And then like nobody laughed and I like doubled down. I was like, Cause that was terrible. Right guys. Like no one laughed. I was like, you guys liked it. They hated me. That is the worst feeling when you're like, (laughs) this is the worst thing. Like you, like I always assume I'm like unanimous, right? Like people are on the same page, but like when people think something's hilarious, that just isn't straight up, not funny. I'm shocked and appalled. (laughs) And again, like, again, I don't want to say who this was. It was a guy that was like, I think people had come to see him. I didn't read the crowd. I just didn't read the crowd, yeah. which I think I'm usually pretty good yeah. at. I don't even think I took a glance at the crowd. And then I look out, I'm like, you guys are here for that. <laughs> I made a mistake. Which is like an improv too. Speaking of improv. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Threw in the last minute. And joke. then I just went right into like some anal material and they were like, get off the stage. Wait, do you like always go zero to anal? <laughs> no, like, <laughs> no, I, um, I, I don't actually, it's usually like the, if I do the set that I've been doing recently, it's usually the second joke, but I like to be like, so are you guys an anal or, and like people laugh. Cause right. it's, I like to say it really casually, <laughs> but I also like, I sometimes like get off a little bit on like when people don't like me, like, I think it's mm. funny to like address it and be like, you guys hate me. And like, right. I'm going to bring you around and then, or I'm going to double down on the stuff I know you're going to hate. Like, I feel like when I did that set, I was like, I'm going to do my dirtiest stuff just to see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's kind of at that point, what are you going to do? Like sulk? Right. <laughs> you got to double down. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think I was like, I'll bring you guys around. And then I just didn't. There was like a little cluster of girls that know me, like know the podcast right. that were like laughing, but trying to like muffle their laughter. I'm like, let it out. <laughs> yeah. I only have you. Right. Well, and also if you didn't know that they thought the first guy was funny, they weren't expressive as a crowd. So right. honestly, they maybe left you. Yeah. It probably wasn't <laughs> as much me, but I, it was, I wouldn't call it a bomb, but it wasn't pretty. Do you like actually ever bomb? I like, I just don't think 
comedians have been doing this a long as, I mean, I've doing this for like six years. Like comedians have been doing it so much longer. There's so much more experience in me. Like it's hard to just straight bomb. Cause like you, even if you're bombing some new material, yeah. you'll just bring something old that, you know, can get a yeah, laugh. Right. Like I, I think if you're really just being risky and you're like, I'm going to do all new stuff. Like, I think you hear that from time to time. Like yeah. I bombed. I, I had the, I had to, you know, if you do a special or something, you have to start fresh with all new stuff. And I had a guy friend that did that recently. He filmed a special and he was like, I had to dump it all. So my first set wow. out of the gate was all new. I feel like I bombed, but I'm like, you probably didn't bomb. Like, yeah. but I did a, um, a set a couple weeks ago and I had done four sold out shows with uh, my friend Francis and I opened, I opened featured for him and four amazing sold out shows at Gotham. And then I did a show on Sunday that there was like six people there and like, they weren't laughing. And I was like, what a fall from grace. <laughs> What a weird like, subjective measure of like quality success feedback. Like, yeah. like it's I walked not static. Out. Yeah. It's going to be different every day, every show. Yeah. Yeah. But I did the show on Sunday and it was like, just people, they weren't, people weren't feeling it. Nobody was really getting laughs, which made me feel better. It wasn't like me. It was right. just the crowd wasn't really having it. Right. And uh, I just walked out there like, damn, <laughs> it wasn't a bomb. Right. It just wasn't. Yeah. Like they weren't like sitting there pissed and stone faced. It was like. They just weren't, there was a small, quieter crowd. Nobody was crushing. Well, so with stand-up, like what do you have? Like, uh, cause like the pod, the podcast live shows are a funny thing where like, you're kind of doing, you're, you're like mm-hmm. touring like a stand-up would before your podcast and with your co-host Rana, obviously. But like, do you want to do that for stand-up also? Um, like tour? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been thinking about this more again, like, I am a comedian. I am an active comedian here in New York and I do shows, but there's comedians do a whole lot more than me. They're out doing multiple shows a night. I don't even do a show every night. Like just, you know, I'm a little bit less on that scale. I haven't headlined a club here. Um, but rain and I obviously do what we do and it's pretty impressive. Right. So, um, yeah, I would, I would like to get on the road a little bit more. I don't want to cannibalize our shows. Um, but I have a friend that we've run a show here in the city. We've talked about just doing some local shows like, you know, DC, Philly, Boston right. type of thing. Right. And just so I can do more stand up. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's also, I really love it so much, but it was, it wasn't ever like my dream to be like a famous okay. stand up yeah. comedian. I knew I wanted to perform, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like, I'm going to be the next whoever. Like, yeah. that's why I love Chelsea Handler because she was like a host. She had the books. She right. had this like empire. She's still relevant. She has a podcast, but our younger listeners probably don't think of her the way that I do. Like right. she's no. older, she's 42 or whatever, 45. I don't know. Um, but her standup isn't that great. Like, you know, she it's did not. it, but I, I saw her live. I think she was kind of drunk, whatever. Good for her. Live, you know, she was like just living her dreams. You can do whatever you want, but I wasn't floored. So Chelsea Handler, nobody thinks of her as this like famous standup comedian. No. So it was like, I think it's like part of what I'm going to do, but it's not what I'm going to like remembered for. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Like I think some like the, I think at times things too, that you don't, uh, like you're not putting all your eggs in one basket. It's almost like you're better at it and they're more fun. Cause you don't need them to work. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't have, have to take it so seriously. On. It's like, it's not a hobby, right? You know, and I make money, but it's just, I'm not so obsessed with it. I don't, yeah. I don't care. I don't rain. And I took a different path. I don't need to be like, am I going to get a special, right? you know? 
Because, yeah, that kind of becomes the biggest goal. I mean, that's yeah. pretty, I, I feel like it, it, we're kind of in a weird time too, where like you can have like four mini careers yeah. that like are kind of hard to articulate. They all relate because it's kind of like different outlets of content. Yeah. But like, yeah, like I'd lo- I love this podcast. I'd love to write more books. I'd love, and I, I don't really have like one singular goal. I'm like, yeah, whatever medium I translate well into at that time, I'll just do. Yeah. Because I like it. But like, I think the pod, I mean, podcasting is kind of a thing where I'm sure I know you actively started it. And like when you met Raina, you guys decided to do it together um, because you wanted to talk about like sex and dating. But did you have any idea that it would be this big? Because I'd almost argue I don't know other podcasts that were when you started. Um, Like, you know, besides like Joe Rogan, you know what I mean? Like women touring, making it huge. Like it's almost like, I don't know. Well, well, yeah. So this question is like, people are like, are you so surprised by the success? It's like, I don't know how to answer it because it's like, it was the goal. Like when I started, I I pictured live shows. I really was like, I want to like do this. And I know that they're happening and I don't really know exactly what they look like. And I mostly knew that probably from guys we fucked. They're really the only podcast I can cite that was similar where it's two women hosts. They're talking about sex, different format. I mean, the the format started in such a like hilarious, unique way that they were bringing on guys. They fucked, you know, I mean, that's how mm-hmm. the, sh- the show started and it evolved over time. I knew they were doing shows. I don't know. Uh, I don't know that they ever really got to like theater level. Right. Like they were doing bigger venues, but I thought what they were doing was so impressive. And so I knew it was like a thing that was happening. Okay, yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, our success, I don't know. It's weird. It's like, I, I am not surprised because I think we do a great job. Yeah, you do. So like, I think we put so much time and effort to it. I was talking with you before we recorded. I'm a psycho about our editing process. Yeah. We take our guests so seriously. We, we like, we aren't just talking. We want to have a purpose. We want yeah. you to walk away from every episode with like a, a takeaway. Like, I think we take it so seriously that I'm not really surprised. I am grateful and like, I would never say blessed, but I'm grateful. Like just because I hate the word, but I feel so happy and lucky to be able to do this, but not really surprised because it was like with a goal. That's something I really like about you. My friend and I were texting earlier about this. Um, I, I, cause like, I think I'm successful. I never say that. I felt uncomfortable just saying that. I love the way you talk about you, you and Raina's success because you're like, yeah, no, we work hard and this makes sense because you get out what you put in and we expected and wanted this. And there's something about women always having to be so coy and downplaying about like, I'm just lucky to be here. Like, Oh, luck, luck, luck. I hate when people talk about luck. It's like, no, I think we need to have more examples of people like you with platforms that are, uh, sharing that active decision-making and deliberate planning and hard work actually leads somewhere. Cause otherwise the messaging is like, I just got to find my big break. Like you're just kind of waiting for shit to happen to you. I, I mean, that's how I feel also. Like I am like in my thirties. I, so is Raina. I mean, we like worked really hard. Like when I think about like luck to me, the lucky part is how well Raina and I work together. That's the lucky part because I just don't work well with everybody every day. I'm grateful of how we mesh because it could have gone bad. I mean, when I asked her to do this podcast, I barely knew her and I, didn't realize that we would be spending the rest of our lives together. It's a level of intensity. And I don't think I, until I had a podcast, I didn't know the level of work that goes into it Yeah, in terms of like, there's actual things and deadlines and like shit you've got to do and you can't be lazy about and can't be mad at each other. Can't be mad at each other. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of, I think even if I had known everything that 
would go into it, I maybe would have been more wary. I asked her like a casual text. Like I was like, Hey girl, ever thought of starting a podcast? I didn't know this bitch. Like it was wild. You didn't know her that well. I didn't know her. Probably hung out this again. We met in October on a press trip and I shot her that text like mid December. So in the six weeks we knew each other, we'd maybe hung out two or three times. We were texting a lot. We were talking about dating and guys and I could tell she was like really funny, but I, it, that's where like, I use the word luck. Yeah. That, that's or like divi- divinity or, you know, again, we, we, we had our whole conversation about God when you recorded with us. I cut most of it cause it got really long, but like, I'm so blessed. Like God gave me this, like, oh yeah. You know, like, like if there's, oh yeah. Whatever you, you believe in luck, universe, God, like that's the piece that yeah. I feel luck with. Right. <laughs> well, and like, cause uh, you yeah. were like, God is so hot right now. <laughs> Sorry. Everybody's thanking God. I always God. go there. I have problems. I think religion is funny. Um, I I, can't, I just can't get into it. People just will turn on me, but... I know. Religion, man. I got a lot of thoughts. Surprisingly, people haven't <laughs> turned on me yet. Yeah, because I think I, I know. I was like... I remember walking away from that podcast interview. I was like, I don't know if it was my best bet to come in guns blazing like faith, family, football. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just like... I'm like, everybody is uh, Tammy Taylor. I'm like, relax. Like, this is Instagram. Like, I don't... <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Yeah. But I, I've gone into religion, but it's hard because I definitely get heat, but actually I'm grateful for having done topics where I get more heat because I'm building a tolerance. I think before yeah. I hadn't had to, and now I'm just like, I, I have to be more confident about my purpose than the yeah. feedback. Right. Um, but it's actually a funny thing because, well, when I was doing that purity podcast, I had texted you like a novel because when I was oh, getting right. these yeah, emails yeah. from women being like, I can't talk about sex. I can't have sex. I have this issue where my vagina contracts because I feel so guilty about it. And I'm married, like all these things. I was kind of like, this is interesting. Like these, these are people that really have no reason, but they have this like weird looming subliminal guilt. Yeah. And then I thought about how, how and why like girls got to eat. And I'm like, you guys say things that for some reason I can't. And like, why, mm. like, why do I, wh- like for me to say P U S S Y. I, I can't, like, I can't. Is it because you're a wife? <laughs> I just like, it's a word that like my brain can, like, there's a, I can't get it to send from my brain to my mouth. Like, I yeah. can't. And, but why? You're it's classier. so stupid. It's not classy. It's just like a level of discomfort with like sexual talk and humor that I've always feared I have a ceiling because of, because it's funny and because people like to talk about it. Cause there's so much comedy and discomfort. Yeah. And we're on awkward situations. And like, I just think you and Rana Rana are so brilliant. Like, are you, the stuff you talk about, like you're totally comfortable, like your parents, your exes, like it just, have you always been that way? Yeah. I don't know. Like we, we've been getting asked this question a lot. Um, and I, you know, I can only speak for me. I think Rana is pretty similar though. Uh, like there, people are like, when did you make the decision to, talk like speak so openly about sex and put your life out there. I'm like, I don't know when I was a child, I think it wasn't a decision I made. It was like, like, I realized when I decided I wouldn't do comedy, I just, again, a lot of it is who who your parents are. My parents have just like, let me be, you know, they, my mom and I've always been friends. She was like, I can never parent you, you know, like they parented me, but like my parents are really liberal with, I mean, politically, but just like with rules, like, you know, I had a loose curfew, but they were really trusting. Like I was raised to be like, you're getting good grades. I've never, I got straight A's my entire life, like even in college. And that was my job as like a 
student and a child. And my parents were like, as long as that's happening, you kind of can do whatever you want. They knew I drank, like they knew I had a fake ID when I was 15. Like so much of it comes from them and the way they Hmm, raised me and just like to be me, to like break rules and like, you know, whatever. And pretty open about sex. I mean, I, again, I was like a late bloomer. I didn't even lose my virginity until I was out of high school, but I felt comfortable telling my mom I need to get birth control, whatever. Um, so that, and just, you know, my dad's really funny. He like loves dirty jokes and yeah. he didn't, he actually didn't, he like didn't curse when we were kids, which is wild. Cause he says fuck every other word now, but like it just, that was the open environment I was brought up in. And then I just think I also realized again, value and like sharing personal details. Yeah. I love connecting with people. I love like girlfriendships are my favorite thing in the world. It's how you gain closeness and just being open about sex. I also just like kind of feel like in college, like my funny persona was like to be the slutty friend. Like I was always, <laughs> I was always single, you know, like I was single in high school. I was single in college. You know, yeah. I had these few boyfriends here and there in my life that were serious, but I've always been like, it's my brand became like single, sexually free girl. Yeah. And I like shocking people with like, I went to school in the South. I liked that. Like I could gauge if I was going to connect with a girl, if she could talk the same way as me and she wasn't all demure and faith family football. And so it would just was this thing of my whole life. I don't know how to answer it. And then I just, it's, I'm never once hesitated on sharing something. I uh, obviously when it has to do with other people. Right. I have to think about that every week now, you yeah. know, and we, Brain and I, like, not everyone does this. Some people we know, like, just put people on blast. We would never do that. I don't, right. I don't see the value. I mean, I don't, there's nobody's life I need to ruin or, you know, I just don't. You don't really give an identifiable. We really try not to. Yeah, like, even stuff that I'm like, this could be bad. I try to, like, I mean, I told a story about my an ex of mine and I was like, I just want at the end of the day, if he could, if he needs to lie his way out of this to his current partner, he can. Like, I don't, yeah. I just, I want, I could have said one thing that if she listened, she would have been like, that's you. And I just did it. Right. Cause I don't, that's not the point. And you know, she listens. I don't know. Yeah. She, I she, would. She, Are you she, kidding she, me? What a treasure trove. I know. She blocked <laughs> me on everything. I'm like, really? this is your self-preservation, right? As if you're, you're private. Her. She's private. You don't need to. I don't know. Whatever. I don't want to get into it. Um, and I think Raina too, just yeah. really cool parents, uh, you know, open. I think she didn't think her value though was in like humor and saying really crazy stuff. Like yeah. she found that out with this podcast. Cause she said on a couple occasions, like I've always known that I say these crazy things and yeah. I, people think I'm funny, but like, I never knew how I could make it a job because she's never worked in this world before. She yeah. worked at Amazon. She worked at Groupon. Then she was a food person. Like her Instagram wasn't funny. You know, she just, right. I mean, they're cute, witty, but she wasn't ever in, she just never, wherever she got to where she is now, wasn't my same path. Cause like she's started to realize that with the start of the podcast, like, Oh, this is what I should be doing with yes. the thoughts that go through my mind and the words that come out of my mouth. Yeah. It's hard to channel them in the right medium. And I think a lot of people, like when I said, ask Ashley questions, everyone wants to know, like, like how and when do you pinpoint yourself as like funny? Like I'm a comedian. And I think more often than not, it's a natural kind of feedback. You get your whole life in a thing, you your know, whole, yeah. so it's not like one day out of no. nowhere, you're like, I'm in comedy, but yeah, I think more people are like Raina. And I feel like in that uh, same thing too, like I'm not a comedian. doesn't mean I don't think I'm funny and can't be funny, Yeah, but it's like hard to, yeah. What, what other career path would you use that for? Unless you were publicly right. talking in some format. Right. And I think like with that, your like parents and being liberal and open and stuff too, it's, 
I, I always like to hear why people are the way they are, because I think it helps people realize like you, like you are who you are, even if you're uncomfortable saying stuff like that's fine. Like you don't have to be like everybody else and you don't have yeah. to completely change and like, just like figure it out. Right. It's not like one day you sat down and you're like, you know, I'm going to say the P word that I still can't say <laughs> all the time. <laughs> you're probably dying. Are you like Pollyanna? No, I'm but like, I, I didn't, I don't think I even like said it till recently so freely it's just one it's just it's a word that bothers me like not just because it's like the kind of moist vibe it's less about what yeah. it is and more just like how it sounds yeah I don't even th I think it's been recently I think I weirdly self-talked myself into being so much more comfortable saying it because I probably low-key love some of the shock factor oh yeah you know what I mean like I don't need to say that word <laughs> but I do because it makes people like whoa right. lady right <laughs> I'm so jealous. Like I, I need to find things that shock people. I'm just like, I just am not shocking <laughs> in nature. I'm like, you guys like American girl dolls. I'm just like so embarrassed. No, but I love what you do. I love the deep dive so much. I mean, I obviously relate to so much of it. It's well, it's funny. It's like, I don't know. Every day is like a different thing, a different discouraging conversation, but like, I just didn't start this to do what everyone else is doing. And I'm just going to figure it out. You know, yeah. like, I think it's hard to not compare yourself because there's so many podcasts, so many great, strong female podcasts, but like, that's not the point. Well, and I just think people like, I just think it's hope if you just like work hard, it'll fall into place. I don't say this to you. I'm saying this to like anybody listening, right, but right. like I, there's this guy in Atlanta and he's so funny and he just, his, he gives me like really like Heather McMahon vibes. His name's Tristan Watson. And he's like, he's like 24 and I'm like, you're going to just make it. I can feel it, yeah, but you're yeah. so young. Like it'll just work itself out. But I think times have changed so much. Like I was thinking the other day, I was like listening to, um, uh, how I built this mm -hmm. with like a couple young female founders, not, not even so much young, but Katrina Lake who started stitch fix. Oh yeah. I'm like, these people like were like, I think people are like doing stuff so much younger now. Cause they have more resources. Like younger and faster. I didn't do anything cool till like mid twenties. Like I wasn't, I was like just dicking around. Right. I was on a path, but like, right. I see these girls and I'm like, man, you have a lot of success for 27 Right. And it's like, it's, I think that's why people are like when the, at the point they become aware of you in their head, it's overnight or something. Yeah. And then they see you everywhere because then now they have that recency right. bias. Yeah. But like with, um, yeah, people take off so quickly now when you're not, the slow burn is painful at times. It yeah. doesn't mean it's not valuable, but like Heather McMahon's a good example. Like she was doing this for 10 years. Like yeah. she like hit like rock bottom, like moved home, her horrible situation with her father. Like, mm -hmm. and even when I, she was on my podcast, I was like, I feel like everyone asks you about your meteoric rise, which yeah, you have, but also like you've been at this a while. It's not yeah. like you're just lucky. <laughs> yeah. Her, I find it so fascinating. That's a true meteoric rise. Yeah. But right. it's like, she has been doing this and struggling and like been what her words, unemployed actor for right. so long. So yeah, she like put in the work. And that's a thankless business. But she, it's crazy. It's like she became famous on Instagram at her mom's house, you know, like that's right. what did it. And like, that, it's, it's a, that was, I was telling this guy, this guy, Tristan, I'm like, I'm like job coaching him because I'm so much older than him. And he got, I guess he got let go from his job. And I was like, okay, you like, just, you have this time, like just put out more content. Like look what right. Heather was able to do. Right. Like just, you can make it in so many other ways. Right. Doing what you enjoy. I really think people need to think about it less. And just like, yeah, do more. And you can't like, 
do, I mean, I always use my beauty blog as an example. I like, I wanted to start this blog cause I was like, I'm really into more beauty now. Cause I like realized, Oh, I should maybe try to like be attractive. But like I started getting into more beauty stuff and I was like, I, there's no funny beauty blogs. That's not a thing. They no. all take themselves so seriously. Yeah. All the fashion and beauty bloggers and take themselves so seriously. This was in maybe like 2012, 2013 when I started my old blog, witty and pretty, but I, then I got like wrapped up in like, well, I need to be doing like tutorials. And like, then I was like, that's just not authentic yeah. to me. And so I started to just write every once in a while mixed in with all this beauty and fashion content, like a social media, like, I don't know, like, uh, more like humor, observational stuff. Yeah, right. And the things were going like viral, viral. Like I did an article in 2013, like the worst type of selfies. Uh-huh. And it went like, it went so viral. Like I don't even run the numbers were crazy. It was like 13 million pages in a month or something. It went like worldwide on like, witty and pretty on witty and pretty. And then it got stolen and it was everywhere. And I was like thinking I could sue people and it's, you just can't, it's just, I on mean, like, you can like try, Lord but Panda. it was everywhere. Like it was, people cared less. Fuck Jerry and Fatu, which hadn't been outed yet. Like people just, my blog, like my exact words and all the pictures were like on other blogs with like no credit. Like it was wild. Oh, that's infuriating. It was like a different time. Yeah. But then a few more things went viral. And again, like Bros Being Basic was a blog. I don't know if yeah. you knew that. So like I had this idea in 2014 to do a blog titled What If Guys Acted Like Girls on Instagram. I had all my guy friends uh, do these photos for me. They were like all getting so annoyed with me because I had this like creative vision for every single one of them. And um, I put all this time and effort. Probably took me like a month to get this blog entry up. I almost gave up. I was like, I just, this is t- a lot. Everybody's right. annoyed with me, but I just have this weird feeling it's going to take off. It, it it went up. It didn't go viral. But then a few days later, it got picked up by like Elite Daily, BuzzFeed, all these articles. And then it went viral. And then I started the Instagram account based on a blog entry. So oh. like long story short, like I started this beauty blog, quote unquote, and was like, I need to be doing like what Glamour is doing. Or like, I'm looking, I'm looking at other beauty blogs. I'm looking at like Allure and Glamour. And I'm like, had to have a talk with myself. Like, I don't really want to. I'm not that great at this makeup stuff. Right. I just like wanted to give like normal tips. Like I liked more natural wellness stuff. Like the stuff on my beauty blog is there's like not even one hot take, you know, like I just was like, I just wanted to talk about beauty and make people laugh. Right. And then I transitioned into all this other stuff that I was like, okay, well this is actually what I'm good at. And then it like is the proof is in the pudding of like, I, it turned into this huge Instagram account, which then turned into, I mean, you know, it all fell into place. Well, but yeah, it's like they're individually, they're, they would sound objectively disconnected, but if you just like go with it, it's like, I think people really obsess over, um, how relevant something is to do to what they're currently doing or yeah. like how it connects. Yeah. But it doesn't really need to No, because the common denominator is you, your humor, your efforts, whatever. Yeah. And like, think of, I, yeah, I think about this all the time. Like every creative project that I've been like, fuck, like I'm not doing this. And what could it have been? Like you think yeah. about not doing bros to being basic. Cause you're like a perfectionist. I'm sure it drove you insane before you had an audience. Like yeah, at least not done it. Cause you're busy. Well, I just was like scared of it not taking off. Luckily right. it took off overnight, but like, I just was like, a, my guy friend had an idea. We kind of started it together. And then I still was like, I don't even know. I just can't. I just am scared. Right. I'm just scared. Like, and I'm not even really like a big fear of failure type of person. I take a lot of risks. Like, you know, I quit like a job and a steady paycheck to be on my own freelance reign. I was so broke. I couldn't pay my rent. Like I'm not, I'd take leaps, yeah. but I was like, I just don't want to put this out there. And it has like 20 followers. Like I'm just, the, the, the thought of it is like so embarrassing. Like it was crippling to me. And, um, my friend Travis, who, again, we started it together and he helped me with it. Um, and we did it that night and it like, it blew up like the next day. It was like That's meteoric crazy. success. It was a hundred thousand followers in five days. It was bonkers. 
It was also a, it was also a different time on the internet. It, well, first of all, it doesn't happen today. There's way too many meme accounts. Yeah. Like it was a new thing that people hadn't seen before back in those days. Again, five years ago, but still five years ago, it was really only like fuck Jerry, fat Jewish girl with no job, like yeah. betches. That's it. There were no like other meme accounts. And again, it wasn't even a meme account, but it was a humor account. And then Buzzfeed ruled the internet elite daily. So like. BuzzFeed wrote an article. I started the Instagram account. I asked them to throw the link in the article. Mm -hmm. And so then when the article went viral, I mean, they were the seventh most read site in the world at this point. Like anything. That's crazy to think about BuzzFeed. Yeah. Yeah. BuzzFeed. If it was on BuzzFeed, it was it. And so they threw this link in and then everybody picked it up. And this was like the coolest thing ever. Like I still look back at this, like I'm making it moment in real time. It was over Thanksgiving in 2014. And like every single website was writing about it. Every single one, like Cosmo, GQ, MTV, the Today Show. It was the most viral thing. And I was like living it. Isn't that the craziest It was the moment. coolest thing. Cause like even girls got to eat. Yeah. Great success, but it's not overnight. Yeah. Like it was a truly overnight thing right? that I was like, oh my God, it's happening. Isn't it a weird feeling too? It's happened with my mats a long time ago. Like I remember. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I was like, who's this girl? But while I was living it, I also was like, what do I do? Like, did you kind of feel like, how, how, how do I keep this going? Or like, how, what, what does this mean after this moment? Yeah. Cause like people weren't really monetizing Instagram the way they are now. Then were you just stoked for the followers? Yeah. I was like stoked for the followers and all the press and just, I coming up with the captions and the hashtags and like doing the account was like so fun. And I was like, oh, I'm sure I'm going to make money from this at some point. Yeah. And again, I started this Thanksgiving, 2014. And the first deal I got was with HBO, like February, 2015. So oh, wow. three, four months. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it had like, at that point it was maybe like 250,000. Um, and then it, it was interesting. Then the money really rolled in in 2015. And then I feel like in 2016, it was a little lighter and I was like, Oh, it's over. The gravy yeah. train has stopped. Yeah. And then it just picked back up again in 2017. And I mean, why you do know, you think that is? I don't know. I think there was like really early adopters yeah. and then everybody else caught on or something. I don't know how to explain it. I think you were early to the word basic. Oh th- yeah. The word basic just started. Yeah. I mean like brands as early adopters, but, um, basic, started again with BuzzFeed culture. So basic had just started like in 2014, like you look it up, you know what I mean? Like nobody, I'm sure it probably started on black Twitter where everything else starts, but you know, then white (laughs) people took it and appropriated it, but whatever. So the, the listicles of top 14 things basic girls do, it was like the Uggs and the PSLs and the leggings and whatever. So that was the word just came out really. So my bros being basic obviously came about, but even when I wrote the selfie article in 2013, selfie was a new word. Like people forget yeah. that these are like newer things. It's so true. Cause like 2014, 15, like really wasn't that long ago. Like, yeah, it, it, in basic, I'd argue it when you started, like when it got popular right at the beginning of bros being basic, it was a thing making fun of people that people were like, I'm not that, but I'd argue in 2017, it, it was kind you of a self-actualized it. embracing of where we're all like, I'm different because I'm quirky, but I own it. <laughs> like Stassi. Is she like the crusader yeah. for being basic? Like she thinks she invented it. And yeah. I'm like, we all like ranch. But I'm like, Stassi, I invented it. No, I'm just kidding. No, um, but really? I I have to say, I want to know if you agree with this. I do not know another trend word that has stood the test of time like basic. Like, I don't think we're going to be saying lit in five years. Like, I don't. No, look I, where Fleek went. It is. What? Look where Fleek went. <laughs> on Fleek. <laughs> 
We're like, when's the last time you said that? That's the best example. Yeah, you nailed it. No, fleek. What? What is fleek? Yeah, like it's over. It was, but basic. I kept. Th- I kept thinking like, no one's gonna want to see the word basic right. in an account in five years, and here we are. <laughs> That's like a great point about like fear of hopping on a trend, right? That could burn bright but burn out fast. Yeah. At that point, I would just like low-key change the handle to Ashley Hesseltine. See if anybody noticed. (laughs) Right. Like I have this other account, Fashion Dads, which I've like retired, but it still has like 160,000 followers. I'm like, do I just... Yeah. Can I buy it? Yes. We're doing it. We're about five years, like 40 some thousand. I'm like... And I post consistently. It's a strategy for me. Like I'm not just shooting the shit. Like I know that like you have to be part of people's lives for them to like really care and be like engaged with your stuff. But like, yeah, people are selective with following. That now. was that was also 2014. I started that a month later and Christy Teigen tweeted about it. That probably did it. Um, oh, I would pass out. Okay. <laughs> I feel like we need to discuss the likes on Instagram. Like what's going on? Are they going away? Did they, did, were they like, they can't handle it? Are they? Okay. Yeah. Cause I we was, were like, it's going to, we heard next week, right? A month yeah, ago. I was front loading <laughs> the shittiest content. <laughs> <laughs> really you and grace atwood were like we're living we're for thrilled. this <laughs> i know I like grace and i are similar like we're pretty confident like we own ourselves but like we need a we need the reassurance well today reina and like no shade because it's a beautiful thing but she posted a picture of her mom's fridge i'm like oh damn are we just out here raw like raw dogging it not caring like it was so funny the fridge is great she probably got a lot of engagement but it's very funny she's I, never done that two years ago i don't think so no like no. she, she also just stopped giving a fuck when she stopped being like a food blogger and she's like, I don't care. Here's a shitty picture of me and my friends. <laughs> right. <laughs> like I care a little more. I, I honestly got to a place like very recently where I was like, this means nothing to me. I want to do what I want to do. Yeah. No, it's, it, it is actually hilarious. Cause I was like, I don't care. I'm posting this scroll. This is, <laughs> this is talent. This is core strength. <laughs> and then, yeah, it's like, then there's a small part of me that's like, well, of course this does like better than like me posting, like I got a book deal. Right. <laughs> They're like, cool. So does no, everybody else. Nobody no, cares. Kidding. But maybe just once a week you pick I your know. favorite video, like Kate's pick of the week. That scroll is inspiring. Um, no. Yeah. And I also like filmed the whole thing where like I did like I'm taste tested soups. Like I was wine tasting. <laughs> I haven't posted it yet. It's supposed to be my inaugural video. About oh my likes. God, I can't wait. Yeah. It's in, I wore like a sequin suit. It was exciting. I think the idea is funny of people posting like zero F's content. Like it just, I, I'm not curating anymore. Right. Like it's kind of, I think coming full circle to where we used to be like really curating. And now the curation is not caring. Right. It's like totally. Yeah. We've gone wild. Yeah, it's, it's like the wild, wild delightful. Yeah. Um, one of the things people wanted me to ask you about, like everybody said this, I actually didn't even know that you were in a sorority. And obviously this is a big topic of conversation. Um, you went to Clemson. Mm-hmm. What sorority were you in? Chi Omega for, oh my God. for two years. So I, oh. I, uh, that's a big one. I went again, still really into being popular. So I went down to freshman, went down to Clemson freshman year. It was totally like shell shocked at the, like, to, sorry, totally like culture shock. Right. And, uh, and my mom had warned me. I don't know if I, I tell this story a lot. I don't know why you would know it. But anyway, bottom line was I applied to Clemson. I'm going to back up a little. Didn't know anything about it. Yeah. I read it in a college book. I had this Princeton Review book that was like my Bible. And I just was like, that looks great. It yeah. seems impressive. I know, I've seen them on like the football. Like I wanted some big football school. I wanted like this college experience for some reason in the South. And I applied and I got in really early. I, I only other school I applied to was JMU. And we visited as a family and I just didn't love it. I 
great school. My best guy friend went there. I went, ended up visiting a lot, but just wasn't, I didn't feel like connected yeah. to the campus. And I so went there. It's funny. It's a great school yeah. and maybe I should have, but so I, uh, got into Clemson and then was just like, I'm going here again. I was just a brat. And my, uh, my parents were like, okay. I mean, like it's affordable sort of like my parents were like, you can go where you want, but you can't go to like an Ivy league school. Yeah. Like, or if you, if you can get in good luck, but we can only pay up to like a state school type of. Right. Uh, tuition. And I got in and just started saying I was going there and people were like impressed by it. I lived in a small town. Everybody went to university of Delaware. And so my mom was like, you did. I mean, she was like, we should probably visit before you really commit. And I was like, <laughs> we're good. Like, I was just like, mom, we have like other things to do. Like it's, you know, prom season. I don't have a day yet, but I'm working on, yeah, you know, like, like I've uh, Freeport ever heard of it. <laughs> Like, I'm like, mom, I play soccer. Like, like, you know, I'm, I'm a, I warm the bench on the soccer team. I'm busy. And, um, she, I was like, okay, I just want to tell you like, Ashley, like the South is different. And I go, mom, we're all American. And she was like, okay, you little bitch, wait till you get down there and see. Like, I was like, I thought, I mean, we'd been to Miami as a family. Right, like right. I just thought I knew the South. I had no idea. I'd never in my life dealt with any form of racism or even like people that spoke Southern, yeah. like my parents are really kind of like a Northern, you know, not that Delaware's the North, but you know, whatever. It's an hour outside of Philly, like different right. type of accent. So I got down there for orientation and I started to slowly realize like, I think I'd made a mistake. Yeah. I felt like people dressed differently, differently than me. I feel like they knew each other. They all went to the same high schools in South Carolina. I felt really out of place and I was like a little scared, Yeah, but I'd already committed and I was like so stubborn about it. And I mean, yeah, I got there and I just, uh, hated it. I was like, I hate, I just feel so weird here. I don't, I'm so I'm homesick. I miss my boyfriend yeah, too. Right. Like, it was all the things just obviously started eating my feelings. And then, um, I rushed cause everybody rushed and yeah. that's how I became friends with all my girlfriends who were still my girlfriends today. We had a really great hall. Your yeah. rush group was your hall. Mm-hmm. We lived in a co-ed dorm, which was pretty crazy looking back. Like, and we became friends rushing I got in a sorority that I didn't, that wasn't a good one. Mm-hmm. And I got in, they were really excited to have me. Cause like, I was just that, whatever. I just thought it was too good for them. Yeah. And I, they weren't one of the top five. And I was, I just like laughed. I was like, I just don't think this is a good fit. I went to like the one night of the, with the bid day. day and then just, uh, was like, I'm not going to do this anymore. And another girl from my hall had gotten into, and we were like, we don't want to be here. Like it was like, gamma phi beta mm-hmm. but like people even would call it like jamma vibrator like that's because the girls were like not hot like whatever god people are so funny <laughs> what a good one it's such a good one <laughs> and so i then i was like well i'm transferring i hate this place i'm oh. going to the university of delaware or fit <laughs> like i was, thought i was a fashion. Oh, florida institute of technology <laughs> no like fashion, no, fashion. I'm florida. i thought i was gonna be a fashion designer yeah, yeah. well like, i could there and so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right so but then again i met these great girls like because of rush and we'd started to become friends. I made real friends. And then I like came back, got thin, dated a guy. Like I started to like Clemson and I came back over the summer. I was like, fuck this. I'm popular and pretty. And I'm going to get into a great sorority. Even as a sophomore, I'm going to fucking do it. I got, and I was like, I want to be in Cayo. Got two letters of recommendations. Like from, I knew one girl's oldest sister. And I knew a girl from Dover, Delaware that was in it at Clemson. Mm -hmm. So two Clemson Cayos wrote me letters of recommendation. And I got so skinny. I was taking Xenadrine, obviously. What's that? Like a legal diet pills. I mean, ephedrine, ephedrine, I think. Oh, did you have to import it? No, no, they (laughs) sold it then. These are the old days. No, like you could still buy hydroxycut and Xenadrine. Like a GNC. Oh, really? So I was taking like speed pills, obviously, got bought a whole new wardrobe. Like I got my hair highlighted. I went into it, I got so tan. I went into it like I'm gonna get 
into the best sororities. I, they all loved me. Everybody loved me. I was so like tall and like pretty and well-dressed. I prepped Kayo and Kappa, which were the two best like at, that I wanted yeah. to be in. Like the two best that weren't like 80 Pyre tried out like s- Southern. Yeah, right. Kappa, yeah, yeah. I think was ones. the best. The prettiest, hottest girls, the coolest girls. Yeah. I, and I actually... I actually did like want to get be in Kappa, but it's fine. I prepped Kayo and Kappa, got into Kayo, and uh, was like really proud of myself. I was like, I did it. I I set my mind on yeah. this thing, and then as soon as we got in, they alerted everyone that we were on social probation because of like a girl that got drunk. This and no date parties and mandatory study hall every week. They and they knew that before and they knew because they knew nobody would join. That is awful. I know. that's bad. And I was like, I'm a straight A student, a study hall. Do you see these highlights? <laughs> Hello? Do you see these Steve Maddox? Right. But no, like no date parties. And I was like, this is such dog That's shit. A, like it actually, it's like, sounds so stupid. Like, Cause I'm like, <gasps> but like, honestly, in the context of college, that is actually a nightmare because you've, you're locked in and that is your social like reference group. Yeah. So That's horrible. I never, like, I also just, then it was just weird because I moved off campus. I was living in an apartment with my friends, like my real friends. Yeah. I didn't care about making friends with these girls in the sorority. They were all a year younger than me, which still kind of matters. I became friends with two girls that were older than me. We're still friends. I went to their weddings. We're yeah. like, we're close. Um, they came to our shows in Tampa. Like we're friends. They were a year older. So I never made friends with any girls in my age group. And they were like, you need to, Clemson has sorority halls, not houses. Uh, it's some Rothel rule thing because it's the South. And so like, you need to live in the hall. I'm like, I'm going to live in the hall. I have an apartment yeah, with my friends. Good. Like you guys are not even my friends. And so I stuck it out, went to the study halls and um, just never really got involved. I didn't make friends with these people. We had no parties. We couldn't, we weren't getting drunk together. There was no way to like yeah. get to know them. And so junior year, again, my friends that were when you're older were still there. They were seniors. So we would go to all the parties together. So I was hanging out with these girls that were a year older all the time. We got pregame for everything. They, right you know, our dates knew each other. We went to all the mountain weekends and we did all these things. And then I went back for rush senior and it was great. I had a lot of fun, went back for rush senior year and I'm at the rush retreat. And I was like, I hate this. And I started to like, probably be a little more woke. And like, I don't like judging these girls based on their appearance. This is so lame. I'm like, started to be a little more woke. My friends were gone. My only really friends in the sorority. I'd won, but she was part of our group. I saw her every day. And I just was like, I actually got sick for real, for real, like weirdly sick. And I was like, I don't feel well. I'm leaving. And then I just never went back. Like they were like, I like left rush retreat. And I just was like, I'm sick. I'm going home. And I think I got really sick because like a karma and, um, never went back. And I was like, I quit. And like, you know, you're just a dumb kid. You don't do things like an adult should. I didn't tell anybody. I just didn't show up. And my friend, Lindsay, who was in the sorority, who were still friends today, she was like, are you going to like come to chapter? Did they like reach out? I, I think I they just fine. let me just fly under the radar. Like I wasn't important. I wasn't cool in the sorority. Like they were like, just let her go. Cause like my, <laughs> so like I never was close with my big sister. Yeah. Like I wanted it to be the girl that's, that were older than me, but they didn't want another little sister. They were tapped out. Like yeah. I really never got close to my big sister at all. Like big sister, little sister reveals we're the same age. Like I'm like, you're not yeah. even bigger than me. <laughs> little. And little. Like she was like, you're good. Right. And so I just left and never came back and you're like the original ghost (laughs) (laughs) I I got hundreds of emails about these stories I've never nobody ghosted everyone was too scared (laughs) 
Because <laughs> I, they have, they're so strict. Like you think that they actually can have some bearing on your life or like come after you. Yeah, they can't. They can't. I don't know. My whole life, I've always been this like, I mean, I'm a rule breaker, but I, I just, I've always gotten like, I didn't break rules at school. I've always gotten like good grades at school, right. but I think I still had the mindset of like, what are you guys going to do? Like, right. I think I knew. Yeah. And I just, I think that I was like, well, if it's really an issue, someone will email me or something. <laughs> And then the, just all it was was Lindsay. Again, this is like how she talks. She's like the original vocal fry. I'm just like, are you going to come to chapter? And I was like, tell him I'm done. That is amazing. And also I agree with you about going through recruitment for the first time. You're like, this doesn't feel right. Um, it's in those rooms late at night when you're just like, like what, hearing people say things like, um, they're like really well-polished insults. That are like, there's this one girl that made me laugh so hard. She was like, we had to end on a positive. So if we like, we're like, I hate that stupid bitch. We'd be like, and, um, (laughs) she came to our party. (laughs) (laughs) It's not my favorite thing to say. Cause I'm like, she came to our party. Like, it's fine. Like, thank you. Even like my mean listeners. I'm like, thank you for being here. Cause like, I just, when you, they try to, it's like, it is by design. So fake that like you, they force you to even make it seem like it's not as bad as it is, but like it is yeah. and you're just judging people and talking about girls and their appearance, and their personality behind their back. And yeah. it's basically a popularity contest. Right. And like, even though also unprecedented about your story, I've never heard of such a successful personal rebrand. <laughs> <laughs> like, no wonder you're so good at this job. Like I, to be to so deliberately do that is so funny. <laughs> And you crushed it. <laughs> it's such a, like, it's the most shallow thing of a rebrand. You're like, I'm coming back and I'm getting in these sororities. Yeah. And I'm going to take diet pills and buy <laughs> new clothes and I'm going to do it. And I did it. Right. But that's like, it's funny. Cause it's like, yeah, like part of that is so sad, but it's also funny because you were clinical about it. <laughs> you like knew what you needed, right. <laughs> but it was you, you know, I'm a smart self-aware person as are you, as are probably most of your listeners. Um, I could feel the way people were treating me differently based on how I looked. I went in freshman year, didn't really know what clothes to wear. Again, I saw just, I want to be clear that like, I wasn't wearing like Lily Pulitzer sophomore year. I've never dressed like that. Like I've never worn pearls. Like I've never done that. I just was like way more stylish and like looked great. And, um, most of my stuff was like probably from Southman under or maybe even still BB, but I, Southman under is pricey. I know. Well, I mean, I had a summer job, yeah, you know, right, I was like, right, right. Scene. and so at the beach. And so I just, um, I don't know. I worked at Lone Star Steakhouse. So I just want to be clear. I didn't live to the beach the next summer. So, but I was waitressing at Lone Star. I had probably, yeah. you know, I went to like King of Prussia mall and just like dropped yeah. a couple hundies. So I, you feel like no one wanted to talk to me the yeah. freshman year. Like I was like, I hadn't discovered a hair straightener yet. Like I was blowing up by the day mm-hmm. in like post, high school boyfriend depression. I didn't want to be there. I wasn't, I just wasn't cute and wasn't well-dressed and nobody cared. I just got into like a sorority of other less pretty, less well-dressed girls. I mean, it is what it is. It's what sororities are. It's It's being shallow. It's based on appearances. (laughs) And so, I mean, I just kind of, I did, I rebranded. I like, I, it's a thing I like talking about because I think that in today's world, it's like something you would never like say to somebody in real time or admit that you were doing, but like for our age, like there, there was one summer, one year where you got hot, like <laughs> no matter how hot you are in an absolute value, everyone has their turning point. Yeah. And it's important. Was... <laughs> no, I don't think I ever got that hot again. Like it yeah. was, that was just, I can't, I'm dying 
you calling it a rebrand. Um, yeah. And I, we can like talk openly about it. Also, like, I just can't even imagine Instagram being around in these days. This is the other side of that is yeah, that I look at Kappa Delta's, uh, that's Instagram what you are now. Yeah. Yeah. They use presets. They wear combat boots with jorts. They yeah. look like they're going to Coachella every day <sighs> and they're so beautiful. So hot, so tan. So all the things yeah. I'm just like, I would have drowned. Like I, I at least felt like there was a level of approachability where like, uh, there's like a difference between like un- inaccessibly hot, like yeah. your baseline looks really matter versus like what you can kind of yeah manufacture about yourself to yeah. make you fit into yeah. that mold. And yeah, it's just a lot different now. And I like, I'm like how much time are, cause and also in my era, it was the, you know, you bring out your point and shoot, you take every picture, you upload them all to Facebook. You don't edit. If you yeah. take one in your pocket, it goes up. Right. And like, yeah, it's just the no next face morning. Too. It's like, you get an email that you were tagged. You're like, Oh my God. And it's like, it was kind of this funny process of where you put up everything and nothing was curated. Right. Kind of like the full circle thing. And, um, I just can't imagine now having that added pressure because I'm fine with it now because I don't need the reassurance because I'm more confident and like good with like with right. myself. Yeah. But back then it would have killed me. I think I don't even know. Like, I mean, I pretty much got, there was Facebook when I was in college, but we didn't use it really. Like yeah. I didn't get on Facebook till the right after I graduated. So I really, I feel lucky every day to have gotten through high school and college without social media. Oh, like yeah. I, I was like a such a creep. Like if I liked a guy and this goes back to probably like guys not liking me. So like when a guy did show interest or I liked a guy, I like went hard on like a crush. And, um, I mean, I was, all you could do was like, I could look a guy up on like the student directory. Right. I would see his photo that's on his photo ID. Like yeah, there was nothing on your buddy like, list. like Clemson was just or, or AIM. Yeah. yeah. Like the, this guy, this football player that I like did kind of date. And then we hooked up for years after like even post-college, like I was obsessed with him. He was like, I don't even know. What to, I don't know the word to use how obsessed I was with him. And like, I enamored, just, like so enamored with him. And he, I just would search for him all the time, like downtown. Cause Clemson's like, you can find somebody. There was like five bars. I would just be like peeking in, like is Brian in there? And he follows me today. We're like Instagram friends. He's like, you're killing it. I'm like, I still love you. No, I'm <laughs> he's a family. But, um, and, uh, he, like he had a special like sound for when he popped up on AIM Oh like yeah. all the, I would just freak out. Like yeah. I would just be like, Oh my God, Brian. like it would, I would hear it from my bedroom and like yeah. run in, like in and like try to talk to him. But would you wait till he IM do you? Cause I always would, I would, I would sit there for hours and wait. I know I wouldn't do it, it, first. it was like so difficult. I think I was so thirsty with him. Cause he was a full blown member of the Clemson football team. Yeah. I mean, they weren't what they are today, but like he was busy. Like he wasn't, yeah. he, they don't have a lot of time. So yeah. they're hard to find. They don't go out as much cause they have practice. And so I had to just like always stalk it. Like, no, I, I probably, had no choice but to creep. He probably just, never. I am to me first. Like I just, I'm going to say, I probably, I would drive by his house. Like it was so bad. So, but like, that's, what's funny about like people. I just like, I like the gumption. It's just like, I like, I won't, I know what I want and this is how I'm going to get it. But he didn't like me back. Like, I mean, it was, it wasn't. What was your screen name? Oh my gosh. I think it, I honestly still think it was a version of Ash S. Yeah. It, Cause like, you have two, uh, you have names that are easily syllabically broken for a great nickname. Like, yeah. Like Ash. I think it was Ash yeah. ass like 79 probably with, I which was, is my birthday. I was hoping not was like the year like guys want to be clear. <laughs> July 9th, not 1979. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot stress that enough. <laughs> yeah. Cause mine's 87. Cause like, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
That is hilarious. What was yours? Did you know? I had so many. I'm so, I, 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 well, I ended up netting my final one before it died was Katie May 87, which is what my dad called me. But I had like, um, uh, I, at one point I had one that was waffle 77. I had crazy and cool KWL. Um, I had, I don't know, 2024. Like I, I, like I, I was really in as into the internet as I am now, Yeah. but as a seventh grader. So it's kind of yeah. like I was doing the same stuff, but like yeah. in a different format. I am unsure on my exact one, but I know Brian's (laughs) (laughs) tiger BC 11. (laughs) That's such a, you'll never forget there. Yeah. It's burned burned into my brain. And you know, I sometimes like, if you go on YouTube and listen to an an aim sound compilation of door opening, door closing, ding, it's a melody (laughs) of insanity that triggers me. Cause I'm like, Oh my God. And then, and then it's kind of like, I would watch like out of the corner of my eye to see if like my minimized window would blink. Cause that means like they responded. Yes. Oh my God. I'm like getting like excitement and stress just thinking about it. Well, it's like a progression. Yeah. Like you're like, or like, did, I don't know if you had a Blackberry, but like I used to stare out of the corner of my eye at that red light. Yeah. Like, yeah. I used to know people responded without your ringer. Yeah. Like not, not in college. There was, I didn't have a Blackberry in college, but I mean, whatever. I just had like a flip phone, but, uh, the other football player that I like ended up like hooking up with a lot and brought him to date parties like senior year. I was so in love with him. He was like young. This is probably how it started. My like young guy thing. I think he was like, I think he was a sophomore and I was a senior and he was like really, it was beautiful. His name's Sergio. I mean, like he's not Latin. I don't know. What's Sergio? I would guess Eastern European or Russian. He was black. And, um, so (laughs) and he was like, like, I know geography. (laughs) (laughs) He, um, yeah, we had, of course we had texting. I'm not like that old, but like people still called, you know, like on the phone to see what was going on. Like texting, like was probably using T911, you know, or is that what it is? T9 word. T9 word. And then you had to pay for text. Um, Right. Like it wasn't, so he, he, like, I remember the time he called me, we'd like only hung out once, like hooked up once, whatever. And like, I remember him calling me and I saw his name pop up and like, I started screaming at the top of my lungs. All my roommates came in, we're screaming. And the, to the point we screamed so long that like the, he hung up, like I had to call him back. We couldn't calm down. Like, I just miss those days. Like, I don't know if girls get this excited anymore. Like it's your art. Some guys like art, they don't. The guy you're like in love with has a crush on so much isn't going to call you on the phone. You're never going to feel that. Like he's DM'd you or something. Like it's a, such a slower burn. Like no, he's he's liked right. your stories or there's no like magical phone call anymore that makes you and your girlfriends all start like screaming. Like it was such a like beautiful thing we got to experience pre-social media. I have butterflies. Like I haven't <laughs> thought about that in a long time, but like I would ride that high for weeks if I yes. got an unexpected phone call right. from a crush. It really was a beautiful thing. And you're right. It's just now it's so much, it's like you, you can text a million girls you're like half interested in. Yes. Like it doesn't really matter, but to call somebody, well, hey, nobody would do it now, but like right. that was, that was like such a, I don't know. And I, I sometimes feel bad or stupid about how much fuel excitement, adrenaline I got from male attention. Um, but so many of the sensory moments of my life, like I know exactly who called me and why they reached out to me and when, and how, like I would just yeah. carry myself differently. I'd like listen to music in my car and just like drive in circles, not to go home, like dreaming, looking out the window. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can remember what you were wearing. Like, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> I love that. Um, okay. I'm going to ask you, I'll let you go. I usually do like record for two hours and I like chop it up just okay. to get different things. But this is great. Cause like, I know like this, my podcast is like looser by nature, but people love 
like nostalgic type things that are like super specific to personal experience. Cause I think like, no, people don't always sit down and really like regress through this stuff, Yeah, but it's really special and funny. And I think it's really relatable and, uh, I don't know. I mean, speaking of basic, I feel like all these things are like the original basic bitch that we all were back right. then before we even knew what it was. I know. Like the screaming with your, while well, he's on the line is a bit much for me. <laughs> I'm I, just kidding. But I'm really dramatic. Like it's, I always have been like, I, my like number one quality is that I overreact. Like it's the thing. I'm obsessed with that. Story. Also, I love that like people want to know this stuff. Like we get, also we have a lot of younger girls, like they want to know what we were like in college. Like it's, yeah. I think cause they're young and they're in college, but I could reminisce with people like what they're like in college and high school, like all day. I love it so much. It's so yeah. fascinating. Like every guy I've ever dated, I'm like, what were you like in high school? And they're like, do you really want to know this? I'm like, I'm obsessed with knowing this. Yeah. Because like, tell me everything. Did you have sex or were you a nerd? Did you play, play sports? Like, I don't know what it is. I'm a, I also am still obsessed with like high school and college, like culture. Like I love high school movies still. Well, and I love that in, in real time, you think that this is what life is like. And I think there's something really interesting there about being like, I am popular and this is me and this is (laughs) what I will be and like forever. And also how the people you are so in love with think are so hot. So out of your league that I would have melted down if they would have dated me. Um, Like the guy I was in love with probably to a similar degree of Brian. um, He, uh, what's it called? I was at a high school friend's wedding and I asked how he was doing because he's off the grid on yeah, social yeah, yeah. media. He is this type of person that <laughs> <laughs> he um he solely lives off of what he finds in dumpsters. What? Yeah, if there's a name, it's not it's like a name like vegetarian, except you're like a like a trashitarian. Like I don't even know. And I was like, You're kidding. And they're like, like, no, he plays a banjo and uh, um he just scrounges for trash. Oh was, my god, he's like a real pizza and rat. He was like hot. <laughs> like the human he was like hot and like he was a big deal and like does i he have a, is he homeless n- no he just he like he smoked a lot of weed and like i think just took the route of like total granola and like yeah. now lives out in like out west and i don't know i guess dumpster dives but yeah. like <laughs> i it, like i th- i think that's so funny too because like i think a lot of the guys who like crush it as adults were nerds in high school or like quiet smart yeah. more reserved yeah. guys a lot of people that are super popular, burn bright, burn out fast. And then the, I think the best thing you can do is be involved and popular, but not like the drug addict. Yeah. Like, that's such a good a lot call. of kids are, that are popular are like really into yeah. drinking and drugs, like almost too much in high school. Like, yeah. you, you, we like dabbled. Yeah. Well, I noticed in our town, like the kids that were really into that, like smoked early, they yes. were like almost peaked before high school. Like they were like the yeah. co- popular kids in middle school, right. like the kids that were smoking. Yeah. They were like doing stuff like heavy petting in movie theaters. Yeah. yeah like they were like really advanced, but I mean, some of them like state, yeah. I mean, kids that drank were popular, but we just never had, we had like a weird heroin ep- epidemic when I was like a sophomore. I was like heroin. What? It was so crazy. And the guy that was like behind it all was like so hot. And we were like, God, he's so hot. His name is Charlie Alexander. And he like was part of this heroin epidemic. He went to jail. And then we saw him like years later and my friend hooked up with him and she was like, oh, he's just this hot felon. He's still so hot. <laughs> Good for Charlie. <laughs> Charlie can get it. <laughs> I thought uh, heroin is, yeah. To heroin. Knowledge, come that, on. That is like, whoa. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not even cocaine. Like it's heroin needle drugs. Yeah. We, yeah. I didn't know anybody that dabbled on needle drugs. Like yeah. uh, the, the craziest was probably like a lot of the guys that were into like string cheese incident and like fish would like drop acid on occasion. Acid. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know where people buy acid, but I, yeah, I think that the politics are like hysterical. And I also think that 
I'm, I'm so grateful for A, going to public school. Not that there's anything wrong with private and B, going to a co-ed school. Like my husband went to schools all boys. I and I'm like, how do you become a person? How do you become a person? No offense. I know you married him, but. No, I ask him this all the time. I'm like, there is a very key, like core period of socialization yeah. that I think is really important that you don't get at a single sex school. But everyone who went to one said it was awesome because we didn't care what we looked like. We didn't fight about boys, all that. But like, honestly, like I would never take back the feeling of having on like a fresh outfit, a good hair day and walking down the hall. like It was a runway. Yeah. Oh my God. Everyone's looking at you from their locker. Yeah. Like, the, <laughs> like the, I just think about these like moments all the time. Like the guy that, um, the senior that I dated, like when his friend told me like he thought I was hot, this guy named Nick, oh, like yeah. I was just like. I like hyperventilated. My hair just I'm like, what it. just happened? Like, and then we like our my very first date. Like, I was a little bit late bloomer. I'd like kissed like one guy, but my first like, this is embarrassing because again, I was just late bloomer because I like wasn't cute till sophomore year, um, in high school and in college. And I uh like he we went to see Varsity Blues and like he had like a really nice car and like yeah. he dropped me off and we got like an ice cream sundae afterward at Friendly's and he dropped me off and like we made out in the car. It was like the most perfect. Yes. Like I really had like a really special quintessential high school experience. I went to public school. I felt like I got a great education. Yeah. It was pre 9-11. Like yeah. it, was a, it was still like, it was great time for music. You know, I just, it, I, I had a great time. I know me too. I like freaking loved high school and most people like hated it. Yeah. I mean, I had low moments and stuff, yeah. but like bullying even like was, could never be at the level it is with social media. Yeah. Like people, your parents were really involved and like people, teachers and parents knew what was going down. Right. Like it wasn't such a like free for all. It wasn't, I mean, again, like there weren't, there was what, well, I don't know when Columbine was that we didn't, we weren't scared at school. Right. That was like an outlier at that time. Right. And I don't know. I just, I, I am a big proponent of public school because I went to one, but I also know it's like changed. Like even my high school now is not what it used to be at all. Like teachers don't want to teach. They feel scared of the kids. And I mean, whatever, it's a different time. This is going to get too deep. But like, I look back on my like public school education as like second to none. I agree. I think it's kind of this golden era where, yeah, like, I mean, they're not doing even like this fun, stupid things like spirit. We like people aren't like dressing up every day of the week anymore. And like doing like stupid things. Like if you think about like homecoming parades, like I was really into building that damn float. Like why would I, I would never build a float now. We like really lived in like, we, our school was known, Smyrna High School in Delaware was known for our floats. The floats were like <laughs> Macy's Day Parade. I'm not kidding you. We would, every night, we were fluffing flowers. Like known for our floats. In <laughs> no, I, if I were to show you, you would die. We would sit around for weeks in like a barn somewhere and fluff these flowers. And every day in school would be like, are you going to float tonight? And like, it was like this a chance to go flirt with boys yeah. and be with your friends at night. Like it, what yeah. else were we doing? We're and not like, out the bar clothes. <laughs> yes. And like you would put on like your, like, you know, like low rise leggings from right. express or whatever, your Ponte pants and just like go hang out and fluff flowers. Yeah. And laugh as hard as you could and hope they were looking at how yes. much fun you were having. <laughs> And like, and then the homecoming and then the, why am I getting like so high school? We went to no. a parade. No, I, okay. Down the main street. It's like the homecoming court. They would ride in the back of like Corvettes. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like their dad. Yeah. He, he had a Miata and it was what it was. And like, or you had to borrow your dad's like Z3 and like cruise down. And it was so sad because my dad did have a convertible, but I never was homecoming queen. So like yeah. people would like borrow my dad. Oh my car. God. That is awful. That's <laughs> like a JV junior level embarrassment. And that's why I think high school is funny because I wasn't cool enough to not be introspective and have my moments that now aren't so funny and so character developmental, but I had a good enough time that I'm so fond of it. And then I similarly went to college with a bunch of people that were not like me and yeah. hated it. Homesick 
awful. And I was like, that was the first time I was like, oh, your, your, um, your status, your context, who you are is not fixed. It's not static. Uh-huh. Like, I don't think I yeah. really learned that until I went to college about um, your environment, your reference group, defining you at times, but when you haven't really defined yourself. That's so true. Like, I mean, it, t- it takes a while to get there and to be like, oh, like uh, people can evolve. Yeah. I just didn't know. We also, like, it was just, I, think I thought the dumpster diver and I were like, yeah, <laughs> it's so, yeah. All the guys, like I look back that I was like obsessed with, nobody's like still hot or cool. And you're probably the most successful in public person they've da- ever dated. I like, know. I mean, it's isn't true. That interesting? Like it just, I mean, it's true just cause I like grew up in a small town and then, you know, like none of the people, none of the like pro guys I dated in college or hooked up with in college, like really ever went pro. So I probably still am like the guy that I was like, obsessed top. with is like a tattoo artist. Brian. Yeah. <laughs> this is like too much information. Someone's going to find him. It's I'm very interested. I'm a, I'm I'll show you pics after this. <laughs> he so looked funny. like Usher. I was like obsessed with Usher. Really? Oh, who wasn't? Until I realized he was five, six. Well, <laughs> he's, oh, I was going to say he's big in Atlanta, but you weren't even there till later. Right. I think I moved there because of him. <laughs> and then I met him like month one and I was like, how he's five, six. He, um, I worked at a magazine in Atlanta and I was always doing events. I was like their nightlife editor. I mean, I think I was still an intern at this time, That's but I, I, I came to be the nightlife editor. Early 20s. Yeah, it was too much. I, they, I was like, oh, I'm just supposed to go to these open bar events every night and like remember enough to write about him. What are you guys thinking? I'm a drunk. That's a dream. It was a dream. I mean, I think I got paid like $800 a year. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> but he, uh, Usher owned a restaurant for a minute. Oh, well, like, yeah, that was his, I mean, heyday, like a chain, Confessions basically. is um, one of my favorite songs of all time. I like it better than um, You've Got Bad. Yeah. Confessions part two. Confessions part two. Yeah. yeah. The, um, one wet he Well, did, that was the uh, album with let it burn. I mean, that was like, the album was, was the confessions. Album. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Ashley, you're the absolute best. The second thing I was going to tell you so is great. that, um, I think you have one of the best speaking voices out there. I really like your voice and your Thanks. tone and your cadence. I don't know if you hear that often. Okay. So I heard it once and then I was like, I'll do that. No, this is, this is, <laughs> so this is a joke. Nikki Glazer does this joke. I don't want to take credit for the, the, uh, idea, but she said like a guy told her once that she was good at comedy and she was like, I'll do that forever. Yeah, like you yeah. hear, and I, I'm not kidding you that <laughs> someone I did not know I had a good voice. I thought it was kind of annoying and I think it translates better in a microphone on radio or whatever. And I was doing this radio thing in Atlanta with the Burt show, which is a big show now. It's like nationally syndicated. And like some guy was like, you have a really sexy radio voice. And that was the same thing where I was like, I'll do this. <laughs> like, I think I never like let it, I never forgot it. Which is hilarious because we, like we've talked about how we both like, yeah, we, we ride the high of compliments and attention. Um, but like, yeah, your whole career coming down to, I think a, passing a few people said, it. I think I a girlfriend said it. it too, but no, it's, it's very funny that like a, a man who pays you a compliment and you're like, I'll do that. But I thank you for saying that. I think it sounds better through a mic. I don't know what it is. It's, it's something not everybody has. And when people try to podcast, it really matters. Well, your voice is great too. I drop, I drop feminine, but as like a a little bit lower register. Yeah. It's a little nasally. We're working on it. Um, Like (laughs) I love like a woman with that deeper register. You just take her more seriously. Not Elizabeth Holmes, but like there's this girl we talk about. She's a friend of ours named Emily. Um, her Instagram is food lovers diary. We plug her sometimes. And she's like this like hot blonde and, She's bubbly and you just think you're going to get like a really higher yeah. girlier voice. And then it's like deep and baritone. You're like, whew, that's hot. Oh, it's why I, I think there's a lot to this with um, the success of Jennifer Lawrence with, of Emma Stone, Scarlett Johansson, like oh, yeah. all of these women that are like the Beyonce, <laughs> Beyonce, Beyonce doesn't speak 
She, she only sings. Like, she honestly doesn't even do interviews. They were like, insane. people want a whole track of that man voice, Beyonce. Like, <laughs> when they do the thing, and they're like, give him the whole track. No, you're right. And I, I think that there's a lot to um, how seriously people take you, your, like, sexiness. I think, like, voices have a lot to do with how people are perceived weirdly. And, like, I think most major actresses that are considered, like, bombshelly are pretty teetering on raspy. Ooh. That's my theory. Yeah. It's a good call. Yeah. I mean, but I can't even think of anybody with a high voice now other than like Leslie Mann or something, but like, <laughs> uh, but her characters are designed around that. Like, well, you, like, yeah, like her voice is just like the person and knocked up. Right. It's like, I hate my husband. Like oh. all of her characters just hate their husband. Her husband. I love her. I you love her, have her vibes. Oh, really? I, I, like I actually quite like her. Um, I love her. She's the best. And I love that her husband like employs her too. Like she's a talented actress, but like, Whenever people are like, he just like hires his kids and wife to be in his movies. I'm like, exactly. Why would you not? I'd be like, yeah, it's like really supportive. This is like a John Hughes, Molly Ringwald situation. <laughs> I didn't realize that he put her in every movie he ever made. Okay. Anyway, like literally like everyone. <laughs> um, no, Ashley, this was so fun. Like I even actually had somebody be able to talk with me about nostalgia this thoroughly because most people have blocked out their, <laughs> or they're like, too young. Yeah. They're like, they either blocked it out or they're like, yeah, I don't know. Like I went on spring break. I was fine. You're like, it was the best week of my life. Like I was <laughs> <laughs> I just like think of these golden years mm-hmm. of like, first of all, I say it in music, I say 95 to 05. Like I yes. think that was the best yeah. decade, but 100%. I don't know. Social media changed everything. It well, first nine eleven changed everything, but then social media, like it just, I got to live in like a great time. Yeah. I, I could not agree. <laughs> I more. feel really lucky. And that's why I hate when people are rude about like millennials and shit. I'm like, you're talking about Gen Z because we are the best generation. Like we didn't have everything. We had to figure yeah. a lot of shit out. Like, yeah, like, we've lived I, both lives, yes. which is really cool. Like yes. I have a, I have a career in social media and it didn't exist when I was in college. Like you, when, if you're our, like if you're in your thirties, you lived both. It's pretty cool. Well, I just had like a moment of like, <laughs> yeah, it is weird to like, like the thing that makes me more money than anything else right now is like my podcast. Right. I did. Th- I did. I had never heard of that. When I was yeah. a senior in college. I, I'm a social media and podcasting professional. Whoa. Didn't deal with either of those in college. So people ask me what I majored in. I don't even want to tell them because I don't... First, I just did marketing because it was easy and I just want to get drunk. Like, don't... There's no connection. You, there's no path here. <laughs> you know? Like, I ended up being a writer and I took one journalist class in college. I hated it. Yeah. Right. Because it was like, oh, whatever. You are what you say you are. Yeah. Like I, I didn't call myself a writer for, until like I sent somebody like was like oh, well like publish my book I was like cool cool well you didn't go to flooring classes I'm just saying. <laughs> kill me I know it's I, right there I will be followed by, followed by flooring the rest of my days where can people find all of your, all of the things uh, girls got to eat podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and girls got to eat podcast is the Instagram handle and my Instagram is Ash Hess A S H H E S S I'm on Twitter too with Ash coming up that have tickets to oh, shows. Yeah. Um, and yeah, when stupid live shows are at stupidliveshows.com. Also girls got podcast.com. Also we have great merch. Um, that's new shows that have tickets, LA, Texas, all the cities, mostly still Houston, Dallas, Austin, maybe Austin's probably pretty close to selling out. Um, and then I don't know when this comes out. Probably like two weeks. Okay. We probably will have announced Florida then. So yeah. Florida, Orlando, Tampa, Miami, Damn. Australia. What? And then. You're doing an Australia tour? Yeah. Just, awesome. I, I just want to go. <laughs> like, yeah. I just want to go. Like, no, that's, but that's really cool. Yeah. And then um, 
Philly. I mean, we'll, we're, we're, we'll hit everywhere. Yeah. So at some point, so, yeah. um, yeah. And like, definitely if you, if she's not in your city, like DM her and be like, what about <laughs> you guys? Listen, if you don't know me, I can't recommend DMing me enough. <laughs> Please tell me how you're offended by something. I said, ask me the author of a book you could Google. I love it. I live for it. We're good. <laughs> Thank you for coming on Be There and Buy podcast. We love you. Thank I you love for you. having me. This has been such a blast. I could talk forever. Okay. Bye. Bye. I was dying listening back to that. A JB junior. Her, her her town, you know, having a bit of a reputation for having making the highest quality homecoming floats. I just like so many her personal rebrand. Like I just loved so much. I thought I hope you guys did too. Um, just a reminder to support our sponsor, ButcherBox. Go to butcherbox.com/slash be there in five. Use code be there in five at checkout. And uh, come to my live show January eighth, Wednesday, Caroline, seven thirty five p.m. Limited meet and greet ticks available. I'd love to see you. I'd love to recap the decade with you. I think Ashley will be there, actually. And, um, yeah, thanks for listening. I hope you'll come back. We talk about all things pop culture on this podcast. I have really interesting episodes of Under the Influencer coming up. I just did a Gilmore Girls deep dive, two parts, so I have to do the third part still on my Patreon, patreon.com slash be there in five week, where I create bonus content that's more topic-specific for uh, paying supporters. I know it's behind a paywall and I know that's frustrating for some, but that's how you justify doing the bonus content. And yeah, I hope everybody has a wonderful rest of their week. I'll still do a podcast next week. I'm hoping to rope my sister into another holiday spectacular like we did last year on Patreon. But also if a lot of you guys are, tra- it's hard because I assume people don't listen over holidays, but then also a lot of people are traveling. So maybe it, I should put out one of my good episodes. Like I have a really good under the influencer with Jen Lake. I'm dying to air. Um, we'll, we'll figure it out. But anyway, Christmas Eve is a week away. If I don't talk to you, I hope you have the merriest Christmas, the happiest holidays. Good tidings to you, to you and your kin. And um, I'm sorry, it makes me laugh because kin's stupid. Like, who says that in a normal context? Like, so how are how are your kin? Are they well? I don't know. I personally like to watch Mickey's Christmas Carol, The Santa Claus with Tim Allen. Learned like last year, Santa Claus with an E is not how it's spelled, but that's a legal joke. We're huge National Lampoon's Christmas vacation heads in this family. Big Hallmark movie watchers, though I'm mad at them about them taking down the commercial featuring two women. It's just like, get with the times. Must we side with the conservative action group that's louder than the majority that does not give a shit because love is love and nobody cares. I just get so frustrated, guys. I'm I'm excited to just drink wine out of a spode glass with my mom's amazing tablescape. Play games, potentially get in an uncomfortable situation where I bring up something awkward that my father disagrees with and everybody else is isolated at the table. But then we bring it right back around because what is family if you can't rock the boat now and again, you know? And I'm so excited to hang out with my nephews and my niece, even though I can't bring Tugboat home for Christmas. Because my parents don't really live in a dog-friendly place, he would 100% jump in the sound that is in their backyard, and I would never see him again. We actually don't know if Tugboat can swim. Um, He's not meant for the outdoors. Maybe one day I'll take him home, but he'll be with his friends at the dog bed and breakfast. (laughs) But anyway, the one thing I regret not talking to Ashley about that we're both super fans of and have a lot of thoughts on, well, the two things are Hamilton and Beyonce. So that's why I picked Beyonce for the intro song, and I'll do an outro, too. I always forget to ask people, but I know she loves Beyonce, so uh, we'll stick with that. And for today, it was my husband's birthday this week, um, and our wedding video song is a song that I think is criminally underrated. It is called EXO. John Mayer also does a great cover, but um, 
You know, ever since I woke up on that fateful morning when Beyonce dropped her self-titled visual album, and I saw her with a curly bob and a white tank top being impossibly breezy at Coney Island, I thought, I need to live life like I am Beyonce, ignoring that I'm famous at a mid-sized historic carnival venue. Uh, it just moved me. It absolutely did. The second I watched that video, I was like, if I ever get married, this will be my wedding video montage. It has to be. And luckily, I had an Italian videographer who's not super up to speed on, on uh, copyright law. I don't know. Maybe the rules are different over there. And anyways, it's somewhere on my Instagram if you want to see it. But follow me at Be There in 5. Join Be There in 5's totally casual, breezy Facebook group. If you rated me five stars, that'd be awesome. It helps with the charts. And last but not least, as always, let me know your thoughts and I will let you know mine. I'll be there in five. I swear. Baby love.